four, three. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cartridge Club recap of the PlayStation 5 game show. It is uh, I, it's Rocket Sauce, one half of the Playboys here on the show tonight, and I'm one of the hosts for the show. Uh, and joining with me, we have Dean from Round 2 Gaming. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Caleb. Cheers. And other Playboy, Josh. How's it going? What's up? <laughs> uh, but before we get started here, um, we did a few uh, predictions uh, last night. So I kind of want to play one because it kind of is an overall prediction for the show. And it's from Caleb here. So I'm going to try to share this here. Bear with me as I share the screen and share the audio. And let's pull the screen up here. And let's share Caleb here. Where'd it go? <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. We'll edit this out. Hi, this is Ignorant Caleb from yesterday. My predictions for the PS5 event. I think it's going to be fairly underwhelming, um, but that could be said for probably any event, especially when there's fanboys like me around. So I will be a little bit more specific. Uh, the, the announcement for the presentation has already confirmed that they really are going to focus on the games. So I don't think we're going to get too much of the system. We may get a screenshot. We may get a quick you know 3d modeling or something like that i don't think there's going to be much of the system to be honest i don't think there's going to be a price point matter of fact i'd be very surprised if there was a price point to be honest um i don't think they're going to focus too much on the controller either though there's a lot of people wanting to know what the create button on the controller can really do i think it's too early to uh roll that out i think a lot of people have made up their mind that it's basically a glorified share button and i doubt there's too many games and development that are going to take use of any enhanced capabilities that the create button could do. So if they did start talking about that, it would turn out to be a Stadia thing where it's basically here's a lot of features, but you're not going to see these features for years because developers haven't had the ability to play with them yet. Um, so I don't think we're going to see much of the controller. I think the games, though, that we will see, I'm, I'm going to actually say I don't think we're going to see too many exclusives, honestly, because there's still, still two PlayStation 4 exclusives uh, that are coming up. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us Part Two, and Sony still wants to sell those. And if they get people too excited about exclusives for the PlayStation Five, um, then people may say, you know what, I'm going to hold off on buying those two games and wait till I have a PlayStation Five, and therefore I'll buy the PlayStation Five and then those two games as well. Um, understanding, of course, that the PlayStation Four games, those two, will be playable on the PlayStation Five. But the point being that if someone, Sony wants people to pull the trigger on. Uh, buying stuff now and they have these two exclusives that they've spent a lot of money on and they want to sell and they want to sell them now so it's a weird balance uh, sony has to get people excited for the playstation 5 but at the same time make sure people stay excited with the current offerings and people only have so much money to spend so that's going to be my kind of prediction is it's not really going to be that mind-blowing um i will say too though uh, sort of on the optimistic side i do think there's going to be a pretty heavy focus on gameplay something that uh Xbox, Microsoft got a lot of flack for was in their uh, event. They didn't really show any gameplay. PlayStation 5 did show gameplay with Ghosts of Tsushima and The Last of Us, and people praised them for it, and it was great. I think they have to lean into that somewhat. Uh, they won't be able to play ex uh, show extensive gameplay for every game, especially if there's any first-party games. I doubt they're going to show too much gameplay uh, just because there's probably not really any first-party games for PlayStation 5 that have enough to actually showcase gameplay that they can be confident about. Um, so I would say we will see some gameplay elements. I think Sony will want to sort of mark that. They'll want to they'll want to make that a staple of their presentations because it's been so positively received so far that hey, we do show gameplay in, and not just in engine gameplay, but actually on uh, on the uh, live you know 
PS5 box gameplay. Um, and so that's going to that's gonna be my my, pres- my predictions. So it's going to be a little underwhelming. Some gameplay because they have to, and not much of the actual box itself, and especially not a price point. Hmm. Hmm. Who was that guy? Yeah, he was handsome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't hear you, Ryan. Uh-oh. All right. <laughs> there we go. That's all right. Uh, don't want to hear people need hear, hear people me drinking. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what are your thoughts, Caleb? Oh man, <laughs> it's did it's. Your, did your opinion change, or were you? Did you predict correctly? Uh, I would say I, I did some fair predictions, though. To be fair, my predictions were pretty general, so I kind of felt like I cheated there a little bit. Some of them I think were probably obvious, but in terms of the main underwhelming, no, I would that that one I was completely overwhelmed honestly i felt like this did a lot more than i was expecting it to um and i'll leave it at that for now but yeah that that one's definitely i failed (laughs) so well we hear heard what caleb has to say uh josh since you're part playboy what did you think of the overall part of the show what'd you think um i was really excited about it Uh, i was thinking about it all day and then eventually got to watch it with my brother and he's a huge playstation fan we had just a ball watching it I think it has a good like uh, balance between different styles of games. You know what I mean? Like we have the more hardcore shooter, we have the horror, we have the kid-friendly game, we have the platformer, they have action-adventure, like anything. If you go in here and you watch this, there's going to be at least one game that you're like, that's my game, I feel like, with this whole entire announcement. And um, I would just happy with there's very little games in here that i was like eh about and of course that's probably just like you know uh basketball but besides that i'm like hell yeah i'll play that oh that looks cool oh that looks really cool oh that looks really cool and i was just having a good time the whole time yeah before before i cut the dean here caleb what are your what are your overall thoughts i know we got your you know your predictions but uh overall thoughts uh, overall thoughts, I really liked it uh, in the sense, and I am a, admittedly a, a, a fanboy, so it could have been terrible and I still would have enjoyed it. Um, I felt like they they definitely nailed the showing off gameplay. Um, I knew they would have to do that, especially when you're streaming uh, like you are and it's not in person and people aren't able to watch you know, uh, a broadcast on their 4K TVs or whatever. It's going to be really hard to show off 4K uh, and impressive visuals on a live stream and on YouTube. So I think they they smartly had to realize not only they, they just had to default to um, to gameplay, which is what the fans I think wanted anyway. So I love that. A lot of indies. Uh, I was really happy about that. I think Sony doesn't quite get the credit that it deserves for having a lot of indies on its platform. I, Microsoft generally gets that cr- cred, and they deserve it too. I, I'm not to take away from them, but I don't think Sony gets it uh, as much credit as they deserve. And here they showed it off. Now there was a lot of indies, and. I would say that's a good thing, but my fear is that these all of these games they showed is almost in total the games they have they have ready and they're able to talk about sort of thing. Because if they if they had enough first party games to fill up an entire hour block, they probably would have done that because they have some great games to show off. So my my fear is that it was a lot of indies, but it's probably all they have at their at their disposal right now. So, um, but overall, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I can't. I couldn't have asked for much else. It was longer than I thought it would be. Uh, it was uh, a lot of gameplay, like I said, a lot of variety, like we talked about. Um, I think there's just a lot to be excited for. 
Good to hear. You're you're right though. There was a lot of indie shown here today, uh, and it kind of just reminded me a little bit more of the launch of the PS4, where they relied. On, I I kind of remember them relying a lot on indies to carry them uh, at the start of the PlayStation 4 generation, and uh, it seems kind of like they kind of maybe dropped off at least maybe promoting the indies. But mm-hmm. there's a good chunk of time when the PlayStation was probably the platinum. Uh, the indie platform until probably I don't know maybe the switch came kind of came around and yeah that's true mantle, so and I think with with you know uh, X, uh like Xbox Arcade that hasn't been around in a very long time I'm pretty sure um, that was kind of a place where you where Microsoft was able to really promote its own and promote its indies and things like that uh, Microsoft bought up a bunch of studios studios that were before independent so and they made a big production about that so that tells you that Microsoft is going to come armed with indies as well like that's going to be a lot of what they try to push so I think Sony had to basically say we have indies too don't worry about it so now they're saying we have indies and we have the first person uh, or the first uh, the story based first single player experiences we have it all good luck xbox is i think what they're trying to say um i'm i'm i love video games so i root for both teams um and and more people that can play video games the better i I don't i don't really like a war but i do like it when companies like this do separate themselves a little bit right and uh jim ryan doubled down in the presentation today saying we we embrace generations and we want people to be able to take full we want developers to be able to take full advantage of these generations that we're having whereas xbox is saying no backwards compatibility and forwards compatibility really if we think about it considering you can play uh you know xbox series x games on previous gen systems um so it's 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 interesting uh playstation didn't mention backwards compatibility at all which i am kind of i i thought they wouldn't i was i i didn't think they would since jim ryan made such a big a statement about them looking forward. Now that doesn't exclude backwards compatibility. You can look forward and build games for this future system while still allowing backwards catalogs. So those things aren't mutually exclusive, but there's been such a talking point about owning the current generation, owning the next generation, that I think if they would have brought it backwards compatibility, it would have undercut that entire argument. And he would have basically looked like he was trying to backpedal on a pretty big statement. And so it was smart that he didn't bring it up. I personally really, really hope there is some sort of backwards compatibility, but I'm not holding my breath. Well, there is some, you know, and they've pretty much said the PS4 is going to be backwards. It'll be backwards compatible with the PS4. But um, maybe there's, it seems like, I think Jim, didn't Jim Ryan say something at the end of the show saying like, we got more coming for you. This was just the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, we didn't see many many features for the console right now. It was basically mm-hmm. games, kind of like your prediction said. Um, so I don't know. But Dean, what are your thoughts of the overall show? I uh, I love the show. I think Sony did a really good job up front managing the expectations. They said that uh, you know you'd get the best experience by wearing headphones. That the broadcast would only be thirty frames per second. Only be broadcasting ten eighty. So it's going to look better when you actually play the system. But then at the beginning, Jim Ryan made a comment saying, you're about to see, you know, the future of games. And I think while the games we saw were fantastic, I don't think any of them, there were only a couple points where I said, wow, that's, that's cool for, for, for PS5 technology. There was not a lot that really stretched my imagination to say, oh, now we can do this or now we can, you know, it was, it was a lot of the first party stuff that, that really showed off the capabilities, the SSD, the graphical um, fidelity, the, the audio stuff was really nice, but there wasn't a lot that I thought couldn't be put on the PS4. 
So that was my overall impression. I thought the games looked great, but if it was a PS4 showcase, it would have had the same effect on me. No, that I can completely see that. Um, I, I was watching it on a 1080p monitor, and it did look, a lot of the games did look like, I would say, PS4 level games, uh, this generation games. And my assumption for that right now is maybe because A, it's early in, you know, development with some of these games, but B, there's probably only so much you can do graphically. Do we, do we get to, do we get to this point now? And now it's just about um, what extra features we can tack into it. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about it because I think I've seen a few different things that the games do differently than probably mm-hmm. they look the same, but now because with the additional power, there's things they can do differently in the games that changes how the way games play. Um, I think that's overall, a big. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead, please. Well, I, I was just gonna. I was just gonna touch on that real quick and say, um, I think that I, it's an argument I've been making for a long, long time, and I know um, IGN got a little flack from uh, Jeff uh, Jeff uh, Keeley, um, who about the next generation graphics not not really being a, a true advancement in the way that we've saw from like Xbox one to, or I'm sorry, PS one to PS two, that sort of thing. Um, and I've always argued that like, it's true that we'll get to a point when the visual graphics themselves won't be as impressive from generation to generation. And personally, as a gamer, I love that because it means that studios and developers can start focusing on things that are more important than visuals. Visuals are just easy to sell, right? That's why they have a Gran Turismo at every, at every uh, PlayStation launch or uh, yeah, Gran Turismo at every PlayStation launch is because visually graphics are a good easy marketing tool that easy to sell gameplay is tougher uh the the advances from the technology is a little bit tougher um when we get into talk about talking about ratchet and clank that's one that i'll take probably a few moments to talk about that's a game that i thought showed off what playstation 5 can do really 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 well but i think to the casual observer and i'm not saying that dean's by any means a casual observer he he definitely does his stuff but i think there's other things in there that like maybe could have bypassed certain people or they might not have necessarily recognized that like oh that's different I did, you know, because in current generation systems, they hide a lot of that stuff. Like, uh, you could probably make a game that does dimensional changing in a, in a snap the way that Gretchen Clank does. And we'll talk about that again. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of everyone. You could probably make that game on PlayStation 4, but there's going to be a lot of limitations that you won't be able to do. You might not be able to see the draw distance quite as different. It might not be quite as instant. You know, there's a lot of those kinds of things. Um, and so I, I look, I think the feature set is going to be what's really, really, really important. And I think once people actually start playing it, getting a hold of the, getting a hold of these games, that's when they're going to say, Okay, now I get it. Because right now I agree with everyone. You could take a screenshot. Honestly, you could probably take a screenshot from the Unreal Engine 5 reveal. Like, watching that in motion was pretty incredible, right? Watching the light reflect off everything, very incredible. If you took just a screenshot and showed that to me, I'd say, I, that's probably like an Xbox, uh, an Xbox, uh, uh, what's the current generation of Xbox? Uh, one. Xbox one, thank you. Xbox One slash PlayStation 4. That's how much, that's how out of it I am. Uh, Xbox One, PlayStation 4 uh, game. Yeah, I, I believe it. It's once it start moving and you actually see the motion and stuff that I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, um, I, I, I'm for my thoughts. I'm gonna kind of repeat what Josh said a little bit earlier that there was something I think at least something for everybody here on this on display here. There was a few games. I, I will agree that like there with Dean too, that it definitely looked like a lot of games were PS4 level games, but little details and i'm I'm just glad um I, I i almost wonder too if they held back other games because they are and i made some predictions that were wrong um 
but I wonder if they are holding back games because they're too far out in development. Like, you don't want to show something off and you wait five years for it to come out. Because uh, people had then every E3 say, we're going to see this, and it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. then people are disappointed. So I wonder if they said, okay, these are the ones that are probably be closest to launch. And not only that, that there's also other shows that are going to be doing game reveals this summer. So, mm-hmm. you know, this won't be our first summer of games show for the Cartridge Club. Uh, every big game that, you know, big game show that they do, we're going to try to cover here. Um, so I'm wondering if some were hold off. There's a guy, there's a, one in Japan, I think, in August. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah, it, and EA plays next week, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, and there's Xbox in July. I, I think the one in Japan is the one that's replacing Tokyo Game Show, and I think that's in August. Uh, and there's some big Japanese developers holding off. I think Capcom has some games reserved for that, too. Um, so I, I think some things are held off. But I'm glad with what we got to see today because some of these games were on my prediction list. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know what? We saw a lot of games today. We saw 26 games were shown off here. Uh, so let's 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 talk about that for a little bit here. And I'm gonna start off. You know, what? I, I want to start off with Dean here because he made a prediction here, and um, I kind of want to play this prediction from Dean because he was right twice, and it relates to probably the first two games shown off at actually not the first two games because the first game shown off was grand theft auto 5 re-re-release a game that's uh going to be released on uh, three generations uh and i was talking with mark uh from um cartridge bros p2 and we're talking about it and he said you know i can't ever recall a game being re-released on three consoles and i was like well it's got to be you know three generations of consoles and i was like well resident evil 4 is pretty close but uh it's it's Skyrim's hey, right up there too. Skyrim <laughs> is pretty close, you know. It's pretty, you know, until I see it come for this generation. But uh, it's it's a money maker. It's it's sold over 100 million copies, and I guess this one's coming with additional additional stuff for it. So, and probably it's a stopgap to hold people off for um, whatever, six, yeah. yeah, six or whatever the next Grand Theft Auto game is. But enough Vice of Vice City, Vice City remake. Let's do it. Let's get to Dean's prediction here. Okay. <laughs> Again, with this nonsense. That's <laughs> away. I predict that Insomniac probably won't show anything about a Spider-Man 2. I think it's definitely in the works, but it's too early to showcase it. And instead, I think they are going to reveal a Ratchet and Clank game. And that's going to act as a PS5 launch title as sort of the family-friendly platformer role in uh, lieu of, of an Act 3. So no Spider-Man 2, but uh, a Ratchet and Clank game. So, Dean, you're right twice, because it wasn't Spider-Man 2. Uh, it was Spider-Man Miles Morales, which I'm assuming is a... Um, I'm assuming it's going to be kind of that Uncharted Lost Legacy mm-hmm. where it's not a full game. It's probably like a $40, 9 to 10-hour launch well, a launch game because it did say a holidays 2020 um so i'm i'm assuming it's just gonna be a shorter game and my my theory behind they want they want to show it off it's gonna be something to really show off the playstation 5 and that what i mean that is when they kept talking about the playstation 5 they kept using spider-man on the ps4 to uh show off the differences between the four and the five and how it could do different things with the added bonus added power of the playstation 5 so i think they kind of you know, figure out, let's put something together here quick to really kind of show off the console right at launch. Um, but Josh, I know you're excited about this one. So 
Well, well, why don't I let you talk first about this one? No, no problem. Uh, yeah, see, Spider-Man and instantly uh, started thinking about pre-ordering. Like, I, I was probably going to get the system anyway, honestly. But I was like, okay, there's Spider-Man. I'm buying this. So, like, right off the gate, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in because that was that's my favorite PS4 game is the Spider-Man game. So, I can see what you're saying. I didn't actually think about it in that like it being Miles Morales is like kind of like a side story. Maybe it starts like when he like meets Peter Parker in the actual storyline and then you actually see his point of view of like the ending part of the game of the first game and then it kind of continues a little bit or something like that. That'd be interesting. Or, you know, continues after the teaser. This is kind of spoilers for the first game, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, it honestly looks more... It looks a lot like the PS4 game. Um, I'm not going to lie. Just from the little quick snippet of gameplay we get there, I guess. Like, I guess that's gameplay, maybe. Um, but if it's like they were saying, you can swing faster and everything loads in quicker and it looks just that much better and they can add that much more lighting effects and they can make it play 60 frames per second. Hell yeah, because this game is 30 frames per second and they use motion blurring, you know, to make it feel smooth. But if we can actually play Spider-Man in 60 fr frames plus even, why not? I, I'm, I'm all down for it, you know? It's going to be awesome. Dean, you want to say something else about this too? Yeah, I think it looks great, and I think you're right on the money. I think this is sort of a half step in the direction toward a Spider-Man 2, but it's, it's not a complete uh, experience. I'm going to say more than 10 hours, but um, Spider-Man 2 I think is going to be a lot more robust. This is really the same sort of sprawling city of Manhattan, but in the wintertime during Christmas. And you can see a lot of the graphical fidelity with the, the snowfall, some of the steam rising up from the, the streets, all the, the particle effects coming off the cars when they're grinding against the buildings. So I think it's really cool. I think it's a great uh, way to showcase the PS5's capabilities. Um, but I don't think it's that full Spider-Man 2 game that people are, are waiting for. I don't know if this one is going to be, because it's at a holiday, so I don't know if it's going to be a launch title. Uh, or if it's going to be a little bit after, because some of the games also said fall 2020. And I don't know if that is, is sort of preceding the holiday or if it was just some nomenclature. Um, but I think, yeah, this is this is awesome. I mean, Sony was super smart to buy Insomniac last year. And uh, I think it'll just pay off for them because Spider-Man 1 sold, what, like 14 million copies or $14 million? I think yeah. it's their number one selling game on the PlayStation 4, too. Yeah, so... It's an awesome game. I'm excited to see it. Uh, and it's really cool that you got to see like Miles' uh, powers, right? You got to see like his camo camo mm -hmm. ability and that like bioelectric shock blast thing. So it's going to be a little bit different than the Peter Parker version. Well, that, that does make me happy about it too. I, I would, I'd rather see the differences between the two as opposed to just being a, a custom skin, you know, over, over Peter Parker. Um, but yeah, it put, the, the PlayStation 4 game is probably my favorite game on the PlayStation 4. I'm, I'm excited for it. it, uh, it it's, I guess, slightly disappointing because it is in Spider-Man 2, but I get it. And, and like I said, it's from my prediction is that that they're really just kind of trying to show off the console because from their tech demos with... I want to say it was that you would need to... Um, besides the, like the loading, I think they said like how... There was something about the mailboxes. I, I, I'm no tech. I'm no Mark Cerny here, but they were saying like I think how they can, I think do more things with the people that they don't have to keep reusing the same, I guess generic people over with the loading. It makes stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I, they can add. They can add more. Um, 
variety because the way that it works in any development type of situation is you can uh, it's less expensive te technologically speaking like less, less expensive to the processors and everything if you are able to clone assets so in a game if you see that's why a lot of times you'll see like npcs looking exactly the same because from the processor standpoint there's no additional added expense to that it's the same thing so you can fill up an entire room with the exact same person and it's the same weight the same expense as one of those people in the room now depending on how those characters are moving obviously that can add weight to it but yeah um the the ssd is just gonna be able to process things a lot faster well it's gonna be able to it's going to participate in processing things faster so that um yeah so that you can have a bigger variety of things so you could have just a truly individual npcs um which is very cool think of the photo mode josh <laughs> don't even get me started <laughs> uh so you know and dean you also had a second game there in this prediction from insomniac and you said ratchet ratchet and clank so um i'm gonna let you start it there as i fire up the screen share for you here Sure. Yeah, this is one that uh, I thought was going to be um, presented in lieu of a, a NAC 3. I think that any launch will need some sort of a family-friendly sort of platformer title to fill that, that gap. And I think this one does an amazing job. This is probably one of the best displays of the PS5 that I saw the whole, the whole show. It, it looks clean. It's crisp. There's a lot happening on the screen at any given time. And like we'll see in a couple seconds here, the way that they're able to load in entirely new suites of assets so quickly as they start rift hopping through uh, a bunch of different scenes is is incredible like you're in like a pirate setting and then you're a dinosaur and then there's like a futuristic city and it's just loading the assets with very little load time and that's sort of the first point that i thought okay wow this is getting my imagination going about what they can do in terms of level design and and story flow um but I mean, look at this. This is this looks fantastic. This is all gameplay that we're seeing, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big Ratchet and Clank fan. I liked it back on the PS3, PS4. I didn't play uh, all of them, and we don't see like Quark or Doctor Nefarious or, or any of the usual crew of characters. So I don't know if this is going to be sort of another remake or if it follows the same storyline as as the originals that came out. Um, but we do see a, a female Lomox coming up here that uh, that we haven't seen before. So I don't know, it looks awesome. And look at the lighting. Like um, you're gonna see a scene coming up where uh, Ratchet like blows up an enemy with a gun and the pieces of the enemy are casting shadows as they fly by. So that's, that's more with the ray tracing and the, the PS5 uh, graphics. So I don't know, I really liked it. I thought it was a great showcase. Yeah, I'll say for myself, though, like, I'm glad I played this like a month ago. I played the original. I didn't know this was not a prediction that for me that there'd be a Ratchet and Clank game here uh, on the show. I just kind of was trying to catch back up on PlayStation 4 exclusives that I've missed because it seems like this is coming to an end of an era here, you know, for uh, uh, for the PlayStation 4. So I was like, you know what, I kind of want to get some more of these exclusives in me here before, you know, kind of say goodbye. And... Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of the first original one on the PS2. It was okay. It wasn't a bad game. It was just, it was okay. I mean, it was a little dated, but I played the reimagining on the the one remastered for the PS4, and I had a great time with it. I loved it, where now I want to go back and play the mall, basically. I, I guess I want to start back then at 2 and then work, work my way through the PS3 generation. And there's a lot of them in the series, but I had a really good time with that one, and that gets me so excited for this game here. Um, and 
like I said, like, I, I think this one with maybe the SSD and the speeds for it too, like you can really see how it probably, like the movement with him rifting through uh, from platform to platform, I think that kind of was starting to be like a showcase for the speeds. I've seen that for a few games today too. Um, it's starting to really kind of just, they're, I think they're kind of trying to show off the speed of games that maybe how much faster you can move or load something today. I saw a few examples today, and I think Ratchet & Clank was a great example of that today. Uh, Caleb, you wanted to talk about this. Yeah, so this game, uh, watch. first of all, I, I did not have this as a prediction either because it was about realistic predictions and not pie-in-the-sky dreams, and this is one of those pie-in-the-sky dreams that I'm like, there's no way. But I absolutely love the Ratchet & Clank series. I'm a huge platformer fan, um, and so... I just, yeah, never in a million years what I thought. So when it, when it started, I was just blown away. Um, and so what one of the things that this opened my eyes up to is I, I feel like this, with the PlayStation 5 and what it can do, I think there could be a resurgence of couch co-op. And I know that seems like a crazy, uh, a crazy transition from talking about Ratchet and Clank, but in the same way that the uh, worlds are able to load so quickly uh, in this game, that's how couch co-op works on games so if you if you remember back when couch co-op was really really popular all of the multiplayer arena arenas were always way less textured they were way less uh they they, they lacked the uh detail of any of the single player maps and that's because the system literally has to run two instances of that game or four instances of that game if you're having four player uh co-op um it's not a trick they're not you know doing anything clever it literally is four instances of it running so the game has to be built for co-op the game has to be built to the 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 arenas have to be built in such a way that they uh can actually be processed um and so this allows me and i think there probably was a moving away a lot of people like to say that the moving away from couch co-op was because online was just bigger and that online could be profitable because then you're you know competing FOMO you want to compete and buy add-ons and things like that to compete with these people that you don't know um, and I think that's part of it I'm not I'm not uh, oblivious to that but I think part of it is also that players were, were coming to expect very very big worlds and you simply can't make two instances of a big world on the current systems you just can't do that um, that was actually one of the big uh, one of the big things for Stadia, like people were blown away because you could have 16 uh, player couch co-op if you wanted to, because everything was being straight, like the processors and the, and the systems could handle streaming 16 instances of that game as is. And so people were blown away by that. Um, obviously that hasn't happened yet with Stadia, but this uh, lets me think that maybe there could be a resurgence because now maybe players will be, uh, they will embrace this idea of having very, very detailed worlds that you could have couch co-op playing uh, next to each other in. So I'm really looking excited, uh, really looking forward to it for that reason. Um, to the point about all of the shrapnel and everything, like that's incredible too, because Ratchet and Clank is already a series that sort of bombards your senses with uh, celebratory explosions every time you you bust open a crate. You know, bolts go flying everywhere. It's like a casino, and that's how they play on you, psychologically speaking. They want you to feel really good every time you break a box. And with the amount of effects that can happen now, like it, it might be too much. I like I might be like I'm an old man now. I can't handle this. Uh, but I'll still I'll still do it. It's healthier than an actual gambling addiction. So I'm all over it. You know, I'm kind of glad that they did show Ratchet and Clank. And I know Dean mentioned it that his prediction for the platformers, the mascots, kind of coming back. I want those mascots to come back. You know, we haven't seen a few of them since. Their you know their their main house was on the PS2, and they had some games me on the PS3. But, uh, and I realize that the solo first person games that are, you know, um, the solo campaigns are probably the big sellers 
for the PlayStation 4. They, uh, if you look at their sell chart, those are like the top selling games with your, with your Horizon Zero Dawns, your Spider Mans, your Uncharted Force. Uh, those are the big sellers. But I kind of want them to embrace a little bit more this year too, just to get the more. I, I, I don't want. To, I would like them to have their bigger variety shown off more. Um, but I don't know. That's just me. But since you're talking about couch co-op, I kind of want to talk about Sackboy here because that one seemed like. It was big on the couch co-op here. I got I got kind of um let me share the screen here real quick. And there you go. And here you go. And here we go. Um, but with this game, I got lots of vibes of Mario 3D World for the Wii U. Um mm -hmm. maybe not so much at the first of the beginning, but definitely at the end, or maybe the midway point of this here. Let me cut a little bit further into this here, where you get to see like this right here. That clearly looks like Mario 3D World solo campaign but then you start to incorporate uh more people into this game and i'll admit i wasn't probably the biggest fan of little big planet but that's because i kept getting stuck like into the, having to do the customizations and i i just don't like having to customize anything you know maybe a couple things but when i asked when there's a lot of stuff from building levels uh, you lose me uh like i don't it doesn't bother me for maybe i don't know i, I don't like even choosing my design like i guess i'd rather just be plain boring sack boy than have to worry about my hat so uh, <laughs> But this, it looks fun to me. Like, I, I maybe it's not even couch co-op, but like just playing with this online with friends could be a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, Dean, I, I know you're on this list. What, what do you think of this here? Yeah, I think it's cool. It's good to see Sackboy back. Uh, I was a big fan of uh, the first Little Big Planet and the second Little Big Planet. And by the third Little Big Planet, I was like, okay, I get it. Um, I, I wasn't too big into the whole creation aspect, creating your own levels and spending a lot of time designing. So I was more for the platforming as well. So this is just more of the same. I don't know how much you can really expound on this formula. I mean, it's a cute character and we've seen the whole yarn aesthetic before in Yoshi's Woolly World and uh, in, in Kirby's Epic Yarn and Sackboy. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a cool uh, aesthetic, a cool gameplay component, but um, in the end it's, it's a 3D platformer and I don't know. It's cool to see the the character back, but I don't know what they can do with it differently, other than really uh, continue to explore the creation aspect of it. And if that's not there, then it'll be interesting to see how they market it. Cool, Josh. Yeah, I just, I just think it's another. They nail uh, hit the nail on the head for like uh, kids kid friendly games. Um, this is definitely one of those. Um, it's pretty easy to see somebody going this holiday being like okay i know this uh, Sackboy game's coming out we got ratchet and clank for the kids coming up and uh spider-man for me you know so I, I was just looking at it thinking the same exact thing that it looked pretty much like that um take the 2d formula and turn it into a 3d you know left to right you know what i'm talking about like how 3d world did it that's that's pretty much what i was thinking as as well watching the trailer um and also the game the graphics didn't wow me um, I guess not every single game has to have amazing, like, oh my God, graphics. It, it, it served its perfect purpose, and I could see it like as an early PS4 game, even graphically. But technically, I'd, I, I, I might give it a shot um, on a discount or PS, PS Plus or something. I don't know. It looks fun, though. You know, um, speaking of going left to right, I know Dean wanted to talk about Gran Turismo 7 here, so I'm going to let Dean take it here as I show the trailer for him. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. No, it was just good to see. I mean, I I was a big Gran Turismo fan uh, during the old PS2 days with Gran Turismo 3 Ace spec. Spent a lot of time playing that game and sort of fell off around 4, 5, 
definitely six, uh, and didn't try sport. So it was good to see another numbered entry in the series. I think that anytime you show a Gran Turismo game, this is a great way to show off the graphical specs of the hardware. Um, it's, it's great to see the sheen on the, the cars and the, the audience as you drive by in the, the different locations. Um, and it's cool to see that they, they showcase a campaign mode. Like the, it's like the old Gran Turismo 4 campaign mode where you have that, that GT town hub. You can go to the store, you can go to the used car dealership, you can do missions, you can do license classes. And they're really showing off the Porsche license here. Right? They, they showed the 911, the Carrera GT is coming up. So, you know, they didn't have that license in the first six installments. That was all EA that had the Porsche license. So there's another one. Um, and Trial Mountain right here. This is a, sort of the default circuit that's a, in every Gran Turismo game. It's like a fictional racetrack. Uh, so it's cool to see them sort of create that in a new way that fits to the more accurate representation of the cars. If you look at the mini map, it's actually elongated and um, it works a little bit better for how they scoped it out on the PS5. So I don't know. I thought, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to buy it, but I thought it's a great way to, to showcase the graphics. And I know a lot of people love uh, Gran Turismo. I think it's a good counter to Xbox's Forza Horizon. And because we're both getting Dirt 5, um, you know, it's there's going to be enough racing games for for anybody, depending on what you want. Sure. And did you like it? how it, at the end it advertised the real driving simulator too? They do on all of them. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's like how I caught that. that so. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, you know, one thing, though, that did kind of stand out for me right here was this Project Athena game. And uh, let me pull this guy up here while we're talking. Um, yeah, because right at the end, it was designed, or I guess this is just a, a working title, right? It's... Did I say it right? Is it Athia or? Athia, Project Athia. Project Athia. Let's go with that. Um, I, I like the fact it, it, it shows like it's pretty fast here. You'll see in this trailer here. Um, but it says it's being designed exclusively for the PS4 or PS5. PS5 right? yeah. um, which makes me think, you know, it's, oh, we know it's an exclusive, but. It looks like this is one of those games that's really going to try to show off the speeds of the console. You can see right here with the platform. It, it almost gives me kind of a little bit of the vibes that we almost saw with that um, Unreal 5 trailer a little bit with the jumping right there. But I don't know what this game is, but it had my attention with it being marketed right here with the uh, design with the PlayStation 5 in mind. Um, hmm. And... Uh, you know, Dean, why don't you tell me something about it? Because I see your names on this list. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen Square do this time and time again, where they put out these cryptic trailers, and then you don't hear anything about them for another six or seven years. I have a feeling this is Final Fantasy 16. I know it's a different team. It's uh, uh, Luminous Productions. They use a Luminous Studios engine, which is used for um, Final Fantasy 15. Um, so I have a feeling this will eventually evolve into that. But, but we've definitely seen Square do these sort of tech demos anytime a new console comes out and those ultimately become assets or eventually evolve into one of their mainstream franchises that, that we eventually see down the road. So I would say I, I did put a prediction down that we would see nothing about Final Fantasy VII, uh, but we would see some weird ambiguous trailer that tells us nothing about Final Fantasy XVI. I'm going to call it. That's what we saw. You know, uh, what can I ask? What hint do you think gives it away that that was Final Fantasy 16. Like, what do you think? So 
right off the bat to me, it looks just like uh, Final Fantasy 15. It's the same team, same engine, um, and similar battle system, it looks like, and with the dragons and that tentacle creature that looks sort of like a Marlboro and the, you know, the different fantasy locations. I can definitely see this just becoming the Final Fantasy 16. We've never seen a Final Fantasy with just one main protagonist before. It's always a, a party adventure. Um, so this is either early on in the game or just a concept design. We've also seen Project Octopath Traveler, which became Octopath Traveler. So this could eventually just become Athea or a different spinoff altogether. But I think this looks like a lot of work to put into a brand new IP when you're somebody like Square, who's pretty hit and miss uh, in a lot of respects with the fan base these days. So. Well, I appreciate that segue he gave me there. <laughs> because speaking of Octodad, they had a, uh, a from the studios who brought you Octodad, they had Bugsnack, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, who wants to start this one off here? Who wants to talk about this one? Uh, I just think it looks hilarious and cute and fun. I'm very excited for it. I love Octodad. Uh, that sense of humor is... Um, I don't know. This doesn't look like it's physics-y like Octodad is. So, mm-hmm. you know, right, right, right here, Josh, I don't mean to cut you off. I, for a second, I thought you got your Ape Escape prediction right here. For, for a second. I, yeah, <laughs> for a second. I was thinking that, too, because of the graphic style. I was like, oh, shit, Ape Escape. Uh, but, yeah, um, I like Octodad because the humor is just so absurd. Like, he's obviously an octopus. Nobody, nobody <laughs> realizes it. Uh, it's just funny in that uh, kind of in-your-face way, and I, I think that their sense of humor in this... I guess it looks like a almost like a Pokemon collectible food game, kind of. I, 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 it's kind of hard to tell what this game is. Like, it's what do you think it is, Caleb? Like, what do you think from the trailer? Of this, I think Pokemon food collectible game probably is is as accurate as anyone can guess. Um, it, yeah, I'm just glad Young Horses is doing stuff. Like they, I, I replayed Octodad uh, about a year ago, and fell refell in love with it. I love that game. Uh, it's very difficult, I think, to make video games funny. Like you could have video games with funny writing. Any any medium can have funny writing. Um, but what can you do with the actual uh, n- with the actual native uh, implicit functions of a medium and leverage that for humor? And Octodad did that really, really, really well because they they sort of played with your conventions of control. Like when you're playing a video game, the whole idea is you're supposed to be able to to control the characters. And games like Octodad and Gang Beasts and Human Fall Flat, they just like play with that convention and they just turn it on its head, sometimes literally. And that's what Octodad's so well. I don't see that in this so much. I would like it. Part of me wants to say I, I, I would love it if they could actually play with the conventions of the format to add humor. But even if it's just the writing itself that's funny, that's great. Um, it has a bit of like a Wadham. I don't know if anyone's played that game yet. Uh, the follow-up from the guy who created um, the uh, Katamari games. Um, but it has a little bit of a feel to that because in that game you actually eat your friends and poop them out and it's all kind of weirdness. Um, and this kind of feels a little bit in that vein. So this is definitely a game that I want to try out. And I think at the end of that clip I just saw, did it say it was for PS4 as well or did it say PS5? It said both. I just it did? saw okay, that too. So, yeah. Yeah. so even if I'm not a day one PS5 buyer... Um, I, I'll pick it up for PS4. It looks really fun. Yeah, it's... Um, you mean, I mean, just seeing baby back ribs crawling around like centipedes. I mean, <laughs> come on. I, I'm going to play just because of the <laughs> absurdity of it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Oh, you're on mute. You're muted. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, one thing 
the tra- I don't have a good transition for this here, but I'm going to say, say one thing that kind of um, wowed me a little bit, and I've never played it, but because uh, back in February, Bloodborne was the Cartridge Club game of the month, and I had a great time playing it here. Um, and one of the main rumors, there's two rumors surrounding Bluepoint. Uh, one of them was that they were doing a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake, uh, and the other one was that they had a Demon Souls uh, remake. And lo and behold, today we got a Demon Souls uh, remake, and it was full on full on display here. It looks great to me. I'm kind of excited for it. I've never played the. I own it for the PS3. I just have never gone around to it. I've only played and beaten one from Soft Game. Um, actually, I, I, I don't know. I played um, a little bit of uh, Sekiro last year, but um, this one, I don't know. It it really it's gotten me excited for for the PS5. I know a lot of it looks kind of cutscene-y. There's a couple parts in here where I think it's gameplay, but I guess you just got to wait to see. I know they did a really good job with the Shadow of the Colossus remake. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't doubt that there actually is... They are probably also working on a Metal Gear Solid remake. Uh, I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of smoke rumors this year where they just weren't going away. One of them being Silent Hill. Um, that was a prediction of mine that... Um, did not come through, but uh, I, I don't think that there's, uh, a, I guess, to give up hope on that. I really think that actually is something coming out of that one. But to me, this looks awesome. I'm I'm very excited for this. Um, I know it's kind of hard to get people uh, into these games because they're they're brutally difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. This was one of those games for me that really stood stood out for the show. Have they said if uh, I know I'm not on the list here, but I was going to say, have they said if this is a complete remake or are they doing just the graphical like they do with Shadow of the Colossus with similar gameplay? Do you know or has they have they said or I was just curious. I do not know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know there's a lot of scrambling for information here, uh, you know, within the last couple hours of this airing a couple hours ago. Um, and I, I had the opportunity to rewatch this, which I recommend going back and watching this on a television as opposed to a monitor because it looked it looked better than the 1080p viewing for me. Uh, but Dean, what are your thoughts on the Demon Souls trailer? I'm excited. I, I think there was a lot of rumors leading up that we would see either Demon Souls or Bloodborne as part of this reveal, and I'm glad it was Demon Souls. Bloodborne just seems a little recent. And uh, I've never got around to playing uh, Demon Souls, so it looks great. I liked what they did, like you said, with Shadow of the Colossus. Um, they did the uh, Drake uh, Uncharted uh, Drake Collection, the, the first three. I like what they did there, but I, I don't think this is going to be a ground-up remake. I think it's really just going to be a, a nice up-res version of, of Demon Souls, and it's a good excuse to play them. My only concern is that there's a lot of these types of games now, and I know people like them, people mm-hmm. who like them love them, but uh, I'm worried that uh, we're just going to oversaturate things uh, in a way that difficulty becomes, you know, the next appealing sell point. And not all of us can spend the time and master these games like uh, like some people. So I hope it does become a sell point because then I know the games that I need to stay away from. Sure. It's, it's when I start a game and don't realize until after I'm two hours into it that this is a really hard game. That's when I get mad. <laughs> well, you know, it's an interesting dichotomy. I say that and then I, I sort of backpedal because I know there's a lot of um, effort being put in by game developers to make games more accessible by putting in easy modes or story modes or uh, just a lot of uh, accessibility features that allow anybody from the age of, of 
10 to 100 be able to, not to say Demon Souls is for a 10-year-old, but you know, <laughs> to, to, to beat these games. So um, I think it'd be left out of that genre because that is the selling point, is the difficulty. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see as more and more come out. And a lot of it is from software. So sure. They're, they're, they've got their niche. Yeah. 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 I, uh, go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. I'm just any of these remakes are really great, especially moving to a new platform. And I know that the Demon Souls and Dark Souls, like the engine that they were on, didn't was kind of janky. I mean, and it wouldn't really run like higher frame rates as well, especially like you go into the PC version of Dark Souls and then you mod it to 60 frames per second, and it's kind of like, okay, I can't climb ladders and I can't Oh, we lost it, Josh. Huh? Never mind. We lost you for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, it was running crappy. Around. You were talking about it was running crappy. It's, oh, okay. it's one, yeah. It's, yeah. It's one of the things I think FromSoft is kind of known for is none of their games really run the best. There's always yeah. something wrong. They just, it's kind of like, I think besides the difficulty, they're also known for their games not all running at a high frame rate and whatnot. So. Yeah. So just the remaster, remaster that game. Beautiful graphics, you know, up- upgraded. Everything's gonna be awesome. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, maybe because Blue Point's doing it. You know, they don't. You know, they did the Metal Gear Solid ports too back in the day. Also, sure. yeah. Um, you know, there's another rumor going around that there was gonna be some kind of Dead Space game at the show today, and it really kind of really heated up yesterday when the writer for Dead Space put out a tweet. Um, his name's Anthony Johnson. He said, I've been working on a game for two years and I'm excited to finally show it off. I do not know if this is the game, uh, but I got a lot of Dead Space fives from it. It's called Returnal. I'm going to pull it up for you here on the screen here to show off. But it definitely gave me the um, the Dead Space fives. And it's another kind of horror game. It's from play- well, it's a PlayStation Studio game. I didn't, I didn't realize this was a PlayStation Studio game. But uh, I, it definitely, I don't know, it looked very much like dead spacey to me and um i guess i'm glad it's exclusive but uh it this looked really impressive to me for the, for this game um josh what did you think of this uh first off it's house mark and they did uh a lot of uh there was like a story going around a few years ago where they they up to a certain point they just mostly did arcade like games they did alienation and then they did uh resogun so it's kind of like high score based attack games. And then they tried to make like a battle royale game and kind of fell through. And this is going to be their first time doing like a story based game. And it honestly looks like a roguelike game because the whole concept of the game is you die and you come back and the world's changed and you try to get through the world and you die and you come back and the world's changed just like any other roguelike game. So I'm thinking it's kind of like a third person roguelike horror game. And that's kind of like a kind of cool like clashing of uh, um, genres there. And um, the imagery and the gameplay, the little snippets of gameplay they showed, showed that they know what they're doing when it comes to like really fun and fast-paced gameplay. And if you played Resogun in any of those games that they've done in the past, you know they're really good at making that engaging and fun gameplay. You know, uh, loop. Uh, yeah. No, I I, know, I never thought about it being roguelike until you pointed out right here. That was yeah. uh, a really good point there. Um, Dean, you're also on this list. What do you have to say about it? Yeah, I mean, I was a fan of Housemark back in the PS3 days with Super Stardust HD and, and Dead Nation. I never played Resogun or, or Alienation, but uh, yeah, this is a far cry from, from arcade shooters. 
you can see a little bit of it, like during the fight scenes, there's some some bullet hell going on there with the weapons and purples and yellows flying all over the place. But I didn't see it as a roguelike, to be honest. I thought maybe the the death and reincarnation was sort of a, a, a story progression uh, component to the game. It looked like there was a lot of cutscenes that that spoke to that. Mm -hmm. um, but did I, I don't know, did we see anything where you die and then, because there was no HUD, right? You, like you didn't That's see true. any like life bar or, or stats or specs to tell you that it was. Yeah, I could, I could honestly just be reading into it thinking, you know, because that, cool. that, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I just didn't see, see that. But uh, I don't know. The only other comment I had was I feel like they focused a lot on the facial animations and, and sort of the facial construct and, and the graphics. And I, I don't feel like it's there. I still feel like it's just sort of hovering around the uncanny valley. It still kind of looks not quite there. And it looked like they were trying to show something off that they didn't quite pull off. Sure. So that, that was my only comment. You know, um, I know Josh is on this list, but Caleb, I'm a little surprised you weren't on this list for um, for Deathloop. Uh, yeah. Um, so I only, say, I only mean to pick on you because you're you're a Bethesda boy. I am a Bethesda boy, um, and you know, but this is also published by the Bethesda, not necessarily developed by them. It's sure. it's an arcane arcane game. I think it looks cool. I I've, it looks to me like it's more of a competitive, like it wants to be a competitive type shooter, and it's gonna not not going to be really heavy on the story. And I need I need some story in my game, so maybe I'm unfairly turned off from it. Uh, but I would love to be surprised and prove it wrong for sure. Yeah, it, for me, it it I get a little bit. A little bit of memories of Haze. I don't know if that early PS3 game Haze, where you could rewind time. Uh, if you died or you goofed up, you can completely rewind time. Um, I think Prince of Persia did that a little bit too. <laughs> but um, but I, I don't know. Josh, what do you think of this? Um, Dishonored Studio, Prey Studio, um, they're really into the like immersive sim. Like They want the environment to uh, be able to be a big playground. So I always find that interesting. They even have the teleport from Dishonored in there. I was like, that's basically Dishonored right there. But um, I'm not sure if I see the... I, it's really hard to tell if it is multiplayer, like if it's competitive or not, or if it's just the storyline, you play both sides of the story. That's how I kind of read the trailer. I could be wrong. It's kind of hard to tell from what they showed. So, I mean, you play your own worst enemy. It'd be kind of fun. It's an interesting idea. I don't know if that's going to be the thing, but they usually have pretty interesting stories in their games. So... I hope it lives up to like a dishonored to me because I like both of those games quite a bit. And uh, they they have the best way of just oozing atmosphere in every single one of their games. And even this trailer has that really like jazzy, like awesome look to it. And I kind of, I'm very interested in checking it out, honestly. Uh, I think sure. it's going to be fun. Yeah. No, um, I think it's a very fair comparison for it. Um, you know, I, was, I wanted to bring up Little Devil Inside. Now, Josh, I know you, uh, you're you on this list. I'm going to let you start it here, but I, I also want to speak of it um, hmm. up here. I just but, think uh, it's a it's an interesting look, for one. Um, I'm not really sure what the game is, really. I, I guess it, maybe it's the old man's telling the storyline? The story? I can't really no, tell. That's kind of what I'm figuring. You know, and I think we saw at the beginning here, maybe I can rewind just a little bit, that we see them together in the same room, but I, I almost wonder if, you know, I mean, because he's right there and he's in his adventure, but it almost feels like maybe like 
this is something like him living in his past. I don't know. This is just a little bit of the vibes. And this is very much another indie game where it's got kind of a cell shaded to it a little bit. But I kind of almost feel as if, like, this guy is living the life that the old man had. Or maybe this was, like, his life in his youth. And now he's got this boring old man life, as you see uh, in this trailer here. I don't know if anyone maybe. else gets that. Well, we'll, we'll see it right here. Uh, coming up. Sometime. But, uh... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> This I don't know. It looks interesting to me. I, this would be a game where like uh, if PlayStation's um, of PS Now had it, or it came to Game Pass, I would I'd be all on it to try it out right away. Or but a game I get eventually get around to it. Mm. Um, but I don't know. It, it has my interest because I don't know. I just I just like the art style. I think it looks really nice. Um, the gameplay looks pretty fluid and fun too. Even though uh, I don't know what exactly the if it's a survival game or if there's a storyline to go through, it's kind of hard to tell. You know, you, you can see yeah. some of the influences from other games. Um, like there's a, a clip where I, I get a little bit of the Arkham vibe with the Scarecrow. Um, <laughs> there's a poop joke right here. <laughs> Everybody pause for the poop joke. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because it seems like it's all over. Like it changes up its style. Of game, I don't know. It's like this right here, I get very much the scarecrow kind of vibe right there from Arkham, but um, I don't know. It it's it's got my attention, is how I should say it. So, hmm. but I don't know. Um, you know, there's another. Uh, let's dig some of these up here. Like but, Kina, Kina, is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, Kina is the next one I kind of want to bring up because I get I get the same kind of general vibes from that one. Um, where it seems like you could see the influences from from other games being in it, and mo the one that stands out the most for me is probably it, it gives me kind of a a Zelda vibe for it. Um, I don't know how anyone else generally feels about it as I dig out the presentation here. <laughs> this was, this was probably one of my favorite games in in the whole show, to be honest. Um, it, it, I don't know something about it just it, it it feels sort of like Miyazaki, like Studio Ghibli meets Pixar meets Pikmin in a way. You got all these little guys like following you and, and picking things up and carrying them around. And it's sort of your, your hack and slash uh, style, but in a really beautiful format. And I like the character. I don't know. This is just a really, really nice looking game that I could see myself picking up. Mm -hmm. See, I don't know. It, like, it comes off very much a little, I, I completely see the Pikmin part. Like when she clears, I don't know if it's a boss fight and I don't know if the boss then this whatever these bosses turn into the little demon guys or, or little little guys and you said the carry stuff around, but you, I don't know. I definitely get also the vibes that of the Zelda feel for it. Um, Josh, what do you think of this game? Um, definitely do get the Zelda vibes, maybe a little Breath of the Wild ish when you look at the environments. But I definitely feel the the Studio Ghibli stuff. Like it really feels like that. Um, whimsical it has a whimsical that's the best word i can think of for this it's whimsical um and i would just have the biggest smile on my face right when i first saw this game so and the gameplay actually the little snippets we get looks pretty interesting and fun and it kind of reminds me of okami where you defeat the evil monster that's the sludge monster or whatever and you turn the world beautiful as you do it which is always a nice touch in the game make your environment more beautiful as you destroy monsters is always fun so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll check it out when it comes out for sure. It looks really great. And I think this one does show off the graphics in an interesting way for a PS5. I bet this plays very smooth and looks very great on like a really nice TV and everything. 
Did they say who uh, who's making this one? Uh, it was like a small Ember, studio. Ember Lab. I haven't heard of them yeah. before, but yeah, they made know. it sound like that they had not really developed something this big before. Um, and I actually took a look because I really like the art style here, so I took a look at their portfolios online to see if there's been any games that they've made. Um, and there's a little bit on there, but they have actually a, a reel um, of just character design stuff. And they actually have some Majora's Mask stuff in there. So they didn't actually work on Majora's Mask or anything like that. But obviously, they're very inspired by them enough to make character models and stuff that kind of showcase their talent. So the Zelda then comparison makes a lot of sense. It seems like that's kind of in the roots of their of their uh, their studio. So yeah, those those like forest dryads that we saw with like the wooden masks, very mm -hmm. Majora's Mask style. So you know, I want to show off another game here, and it's it's on your list here, Caleb. Uh, Solar Ash. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this was. Let me see my. Let me find my notes for it real quick. So. I so Heart Machine. I think will always have a special place in my machine. I thought you, you probably, probably thought I was gonna say Heart. Uh, and they uh, they they. It was one of those games. Hyperlight Drifter was. It's really the only game they've made um, of any note, anyway. Um, came out many uh, a few years ago, 2016, maybe 15, something like that. Um, and it was a game that I thought I was going to hate because all you hear about is how hard it is. And it's a game I ended up loving, and I played it through, beat it, and I was I was surprised at myself. Uh, so I, I've been waiting for them to do something else because they haven't done anything since that. And I've also been especially interested in them because they have staffed um, Ch uh, Chelsea Hash, who did uh, some work with uh, with Giant Sparrow on What Remains of Edith Finch, which everyone here knows probably is my favorite game of all time. Uh, also, Michael Kwan, who was on Giant Sparrow, who's at Giant Sparrow and did work for What Remains of Edith Finch. So it has two of those people on staff, plus uh, Alex Preston, who's the the lead over Heart Machine. Um, he just has a really interesting story. He seems like a really cool guy. Um, so I was like, what's coming up next from them? And so I saw this coming, and I had a couple of thoughts. Uh, so. One, I was like, oh, it's not, you know, pixelated because uh, that was kind of that was one of Heart Machine's uh, allures. It was very pixelated. And I'm like, that's OK. You can't you can't make just pixelated games, especially, you know, you're, you're being creative. You're you're allowed to try new things. Uh, but then I saw that it actually is very much the same sort of motifs and visual style or visual identity as uh, as Hyperlight Drifter. And so it's like they're trying to go for the best or they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, so to speak. Like they want to appeal to the people who know Hyperlight Drifter, but they also want to advance beyond 8-bit uh, graphics or pixelated graphics, I should say. Um, and and I don't know how I feel about that. Like the, the creative in me says, yes, do whatever you want to do. But the the pessimist in me feels like they're they're going there's an angle that they're trying to go for, that they're trying to market and straddle things because why not commit to uh, a pixelated design or why not divorce yourself away from the uh, purples and pinks and dark blues and things like that of Hyperlight Drifter. Um, none of that's to say that I, I'm going to avoid this game. I'm actually going to be all over this game and I'm really, really excited about it. Um, and considering, I mean, you know, as much as I'm saying like, why distance yourself from the pixelated graphics? I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea Hash probably, she, she, she's not, that's not her forte. And I'm guessing she's, she was brought into Heart Machine to do visual stuff since that's what she was in. I don't know her actual title at Giant Sparrow, so I'll just say she did visual stuff. Uh, I'm guessing that this is more in line with what she would bring to the table anyway. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of look forward. Look, look, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. It does seem like it, it appears that it's kind of in the same universe as Hyperlight Drifter, which is cool because I would love to see how a story in that world would maintain since kind of 
the hyperlight drifter story is about not surviving and it's kind of about death and so it's going to be interesting to see how they carry that on it's going to take some narrative hoops and hyperlight drifter wasn't a narrative heavy game necessarily so uh it's just, it's interesting i have a lot of questions but questions i'm excited to see get answered josh what do you thought what are your thoughts um caleb summed it up really great by saying it looked like uh hyperlight drifter maybe like in a 3d aspect like uh, he said a way more uh a lot better than i can <laughs> <laughs> but yeah basically i did play hyperlight drifter and actually never beat it i played quite a bit and got very far into it it's been a long time since i played it but i really appreciated the artwork and the the style and the gameplay and the music and everything in that game just it was just awesome and seeing this it, it kind of I'm I'm kind of curious about the gameplay in it because it definitely looks like it kind of has like a gravity or like a like a twisted like I don't know like there's like a dark side like he he literally goes up and underneath and then there's like two different sides to this world so I'm kind of interested in see what the gameplay is going to be like there um, but this game this trailer just ooze style and I'm very excited to check it out when it finally releases you know I, I, they actually re announced this game before I think didn't they I feel like I've heard about this before oh maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I'm I heard about it. Like maybe they just said, "Oh, we're making another game, and it's called this." You know what is this called? Solar Carf Ash. Solar Ash. Yes. Uh, they might have just said, "Hey, we're working on a game called Solar Ash," and that's about it. But I feel like I've heard about this game before. Well, it does come out this year, and it's it's uh, going to be published by Annapurna, who's my mm. favorite publisher by far. Like everything they publish is just so cool, um, and they have like four games I think that they're publishing that were announced at this event so like they have them them and uh and uh sony are tight and that makes sense because annapurna actually took over a lot of the projects that sony had to drop what remains of the finch being one of them during some transitions and stuff like that so th there's a good relationship there um but yeah it, it's it's uh i don't know it's it's really interesting man i'm, I'm super excited to see what happens my fear is maybe it's going to be a little too the gameplay is not going to be unique because the, the trailer to, to your point josh it it doesn't reveal too much about how the gameplay is going to be and it yeah. could be like exploration heavy which mm -hmm. i'm for i like those kind of games and that'd be awesome it didn't really show too much combat and and hyperlight drifter was all combat and so i don't know what they're do what they're going to do with it so i'm just very excited and curious yeah hmm. have you guys played fury mm -hmm. f-u-r-i yeah i find the art style very very similar to that yeah, and, and you couple that 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 aesthetic with like a synth wave track. <laughs> that's that's a good game. The Hyperlight Drifter music, uh, if if no, if you haven't played it, definitely do. But it's it was like very minimal and sparse, and most of the music was guttural and like sort of you you think of like a broken Game Boy, and it's like very kind of strange and weird, and it was very cool. Um, in the in the story of that studio, Alex Preston, the guy who who heads it up um was diagnosed with like a congenitive heart disorder and he made hyperlight drifter literally thinking he was going to die at any moment and that's i think where the name heart machine comes from is because he literally is kept alive by a machine uh to keep his heart pumping and everything and so there's a lot of that in that game like you play hyperlight drifter and you realize this guy was dying and he could die at any moment and even like the, the art and the bosses you fight like at one time you fight what looks to be just a giant heart and it's it's very stylistic so he had this 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 motivation 
hopefully he's in good health fingers crossed um hopefully he's not making a second game where he feels like he could die at any moment but uh i wonder what the game's going to be like without that sort of drive that sort of uh, end of your life possible drive you know um so it has a has a lot to live up to i guess is what i'm saying but i think they can do it you know uh i was looking at the comments here and top spot in the comments said he likes his sequels uh and we have a couple here and i, I see dean this game's on your list the odd world game uh yeah. what, what gets you excited about this odd world game here because i know it's you kind of started on the playstation right the franchise and then it can move over to xbox and kind of came back but now it looks like it's back on playstation yeah i've been a huge fan of odd world since since 99 whenever it came out um this is a, a remake of abe's exodus we saw abe's odyssey getting remade as new and tasty a couple mm. years back so this is Lauren Lighting and Odd World Inhabitants try at their their second installment, which was released for the original PS1. It's all about uh, Soulstorm Brewery. So instead of uh, Rupture Farms that you traverse in the first game, this is a, a brewery after you've escaped from Rupture Farms. But it's the same concept. You have to uh, rescue all of the uh, all the Modokins. It's uh, I don't know. I'm just excited to play. I love Odd World. I love that universe um there's a lot of really great books on uh lauren landing and, and and the company as uh, as a whole and they never stray from this universe every game every uh piece of media that they've ever made is based in odd world uh so there's a lot of love and care that goes into it uh that you don't necessarily just see when playing the game so i'm, I'm happy they get to fully realize what they were trying to do um you know back in in the 90s uh now Cool. This is awesome. Awesome game. You know, like I, I think I've only played a little bit because they got it as a game free with plus um a couple of years ago for PlayStation, uh for my PlayStation 4. So maybe it may I need to go back and um try out some more of these games here. But um some of the odd world games because it's always it's always got it's always been I think I was always kind of turned off from the ads from a, as a as a kid because I don't know, something about this guy with his mouth sewn shut, you know, or not, maybe it's not sewn shut completely, but the thought that he's sewn right there, always kind of like, oh, and the, I never knew what the gameplay looked like from the ads. It looked, and I'm, when I'm referring to ads, I'm referring to magazine ads for it. And I, I can clearly remember him just like, standing there and it just was always kind of like well this is weird looking so i don't know i remember I... being very confused as a kid about that game because you the visuals are very that they they're sort of very visceral uh they get you in the gut and you read a little bit about it and all i remember reading as a as a younger person um probably not quite a kid like high, high school probably I, whatever it came out i don't know what, what year did it come out does anybody know i don't want to unfairly date myself maybe i'm not as old as i think but um it, yeah some of the descriptions were like you know you have to save your friends from being eaten uh they're being grounded to food and, and all this kind of weird stuff and i'm like that's a pretty dark story and then you see his face and he looks like he's a slave and that he is and i'm like man what's going on and then you read about the mechanics and you're like it's a puzzle game and you're like wait what so you don't have to like fight people and keep them for i just don't get it man uh, but they are fun games uh Alberto came out in 97 97 so yeah i would have been high school so yep at least you were not saying, oh, man, that was many years ago. And it was only like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awful. <laughs> I was a kid five years ago. Uh, that seemed like ages ago. Um, but, you know, for another sequel here that's on a couple of people's lists, we have Hitman 3, the end of the trilogy. Uh, and when I heard that, I was surprised that that was, it was the trilogy because I could have sworn there's more than three games in the Hitman series. 
So, uh, Josh, why don't you tell us why you want to talk about this game? Um, big, I'm a big fan of the reboots, uh, Hitman 1 and 2. They're uh, basically just uh, killing playgrounds, um, and they're very fun games. Uh, they actually do have a through-line story, story with a decent cliffhanger at the end of 2. So I kind of want to see where it's going. And uh, just seeing this trailer, they're going some insane places, like on top of skyscrapers and stuff. That looks cool. I, I think the thing about uh, Hitman is they kind of take this notion of you being this guy that can dress as anybody and nobody really realizes you're like, basically you can just dress in a chicken suit and people be like, Oh yeah, that's just the chicken suit mascot. Or you can dress as like a chef and uh, it's just ridiculous. And it kind of takes that ridiculous notion and then runs with it. Like in the sequel, they literally have a briefcase that's uh, a homing briefcase to knock people out. So you can just throw this briefcase and it'll go around the corner and hit somebody and knock them out around the corner, which is stupid and funny. So they take this just dumb things and just play. They, they know they have this like line. Like there's this line. They know that the it's serious on this side and is ridiculous on this side. And they're just kind of straddling that line the entire time throughout both of these games. So um, it takes it. I, I just look forward to seeing what they do next because every time I play these games and I take out an explosive rubber ducky and explode somebody, um, it's just a really good time. It's the best unintentional party game ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you explain it real quick? Because I swear there's like three games on the PS2 in the Hitman series. Like, yeah, they 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 uh, IO Interactive became kind of like. So first off, they were they did the episodic version of Hitman. It was just a rebooted franchise, and uh, they kind of ended up basically buying the IP back from Square Enix, and they became their own studio. So they continued on and made the sequel, which it would instead of doing episodic, it's just an in, uh, in, in a full game with multiple maps instead of doing the split episode approach. And the storyline actually starts in Hitman 1, and it's a rebooted storyline, and this would be the closure of this new trilogy, kind of like Tomb Raider did, you know, in 2014 going forward. Similar to that. Sure. Yeah, and don't go back and play the original ones on the PlayStation 1. Uh, I have horror. They're they're really really bad. There's one. I, I, I think there's only there one. PlayStation one. <laughs> yeah, there's one. I think it's only one of them on the PlayStation one, and it's really bad. So don't do that. Dean, where do you where do you stand on this? Uh, to be honest, I haven't played a Hitman game ever. Uh, so they all kind of blend together. Uh, I did know they they rebooted. I didn't know they were planning on making a trilogy and that this would be sort of the finale to that. Uh, it was kind of weird to see. Agent 47 in like solar garb or whatever he was wearing, like a astronaut suit as he mm -hmm. was climbing up that tower. But I guess you got to do what you got to do. So you got to kill somebody up there. But uh, yeah, it looks cool. Rubber duckies and throwing briefcases around corners. Sounds fun. It's just ridiculous. Um, I would give it a chance, a chance if you can get it on Game Pass or something, just try out like one of the stages. I think it's fun. Is it just mission based, like just mission after mission? Yeah, killers, uh, killers, killers, killers. pretty much. And there's a storyline behind it, of course. And then, sure. like a lot of times, you can do it uh, a directed playthrough. Like they'll actually say, "Okay, this is what you got to do next, and do this, do that." But you can turn all that off and just here's the open world and figure out how to kill this guy, <laughs> and then you go have fun. And I mean, it's it's a morbid way to have fun, right? You're just killing people, but uh, it's it's fun. It, it it really is. It's a good time. 
You're, You're muted. Mute. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, thanks for letting me know, guys. Uh, sorry. Um, you know, there's another game you guys, the general group here wants to talk about. It's called Pragmato, which is one of two cat games here shown off today. Um, so who <laughs> wants to start with this fun here as we talk about it? Um, it which one was it? Oh, the one. I thought it was a Kojima game, to be honest. It looked a lot like that that luminous uh, character in the show the Moon, and uh, you know, it just had a lot of like Metal Gear aesthetics with like the, the chaff grenades. Um, but it's uh, it doesn't look like it has anything to do with Kojima after watching the trailer. So I don't know. Well, <laughs> after uh, Phantom Pain and the guy with the bandages on his face, it could be a Kojima game. It could yeah. be. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. And I just realized in the uh, in the notes uh, has CJR, and that could have just been my full initials, Caleb J. Ross, because I'm so used to there always being a C that I started using my three initials, and now there those initials actually exist for all of the people on the panel. So if you guys didn't want to talk about it, that's why uh, Ryan might be a little, oh. a little confused. <laughs> that, that was my fault. <laughs> I didn't even think about oh, I'm that. Sorry. I, I was gonna say, oh, here we go. We got three people. <laughs> <Caleb>. no, <laughs> basically, the only thing I was gonna say was basically what Dean said is is it's the it looks like the Kojima nonsense that I really really want. If I had it my way, if I was a bajillionaire, I would pay Kojima to keep making just crazy weird games all the time, and I would be totally happy with that. And I feel like this is someone who. I don't know who's making this. I don't know any of the people behind it or anything like that, but I feel like it would be really weird if this person was not influenced by Kojima because that would mean there's two people like Kojima in the world and that's probably too many. So I'm I'm really, I have no idea what's going on, no idea what kind of game it is, but I feel like the trailer knows that that's enough. Like it's confident and I that's, that's what I guess what I like. That's what I think what I like about a Kojima uh, thing too is there's a sense of confidence that, he can get away with, and I feel like this trailer is getting away with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you ever, uh, just random non sequitur? Have you played Metal Gear Solid Two, Caleb? I have, and I I was I played it when I was in love with Metal Gear Solid One, and okay. so I hated it, of course, and I've never gone back to it. But yeah, just that <laughs> ending. I think you would appreciate it nowadays. Man, yeah. I should go back. I should go back. And I also uh, just as a quick toss back to an earlier thing I said, I said a Hitman One on the PlayStation One. I can't find any evidence of that anywhere but I swear to God, I played it. And so, oh wait, here we go. It was a demo on Jam Pack, maybe. Remember the Jam Pack stuff, demos? Mm -hmm. um, sorry. So anyway, I just, I didn't want to go on record as being a complete idiot, but I think there was a demo of it on PlayStation 1 somewhere. The end. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to cut to um, one of my biggest happy reveals, and I know Dean made a prediction for this here, but... Um, uh, you know what? We're because you know, Dean, you were right about this one, but uh, you're I don't know. I don't, I guess I'm just trying to think of I don't know if I can transition this better than doing that. So I'll just get one of your one of your predictions correct today was Resident Evil 8. Uh, I was very happy about that reveal coming through. You know, I you know, it was a rumor I heard a while back and I kind of forgot about it until I listened to your uh, predictions and I was like, oh, that would be so good, but uh, I was hoping for. I guess I was thinking more to be more Silent Hill because the encore rumor, but um, I was very glad that your rumor came through today. And the rumors of this Resident Evil Eight were pretty much correct from what I've seen in this trailer. Um, the, those being that there's werewolves involved in this one, and there's witches involved in this one, um, which is away from the zombie universe that people have come to love. Um, but I was a big fan of Seven because Seven kind of saved the franchise for me. Where 
I was done probably at five, and then I played six and even buried my love for the franchise even further into the ground. Um, but seven saved the franchise for me, and then two and three came back, and I loved both remakes. So now I'm like day one with this one as well. Um, I question if, because I don't think there was a date revealed here, if there will be like a PlayStation you know, VR 2, and that would be out by the time that this will come out. Um, but I'm excited for this. We know Ethan is back from Resident Evil 7 because he hears name called in the trailer. We know Chris Redfield's back. And I'm I'm thinking Claire's back because I think I could see her a couple times in this trailer. So I'm thinking those three characters are in this game. So um, I'm just looking at the list here. Uh, Josh, I know you're not a Resident Evil fan. Not really. But why are you on this list? Uh, so- because I just like the atmosphere of the trailer. Uh, I didn't... Ex- I figured out after a while that it was Resident Evil, but like within the first 30 seconds or 20 seconds, I'm like, dude, this game looks sick. This is amazing. Look at this. And then I just like the atmosphere, the moodiness, uh, just so, that uh, cabin in the woods, like creepy vibe. Um, did I freeze or something? Oh, no, that's sorry. me. Sorry. I was just trying to get because I'm pretty sure that's uh, sorry. Continue talking. I'm just, I know okay. I might be distracting, uh, okay. but I'm just trying to get it because I think Claire is right here. Right. Like, oh, right. Prior to that, I apologize. Oh, you're so, you're not showing the screen. Oh, I apologize. Sorry, guys. Yeah, okay. Uh, but anyway, um, it just gave me that vibe. I was like, damn, this this looks really cool. And then I saw, of course, you know that that logo right there, and I was like, okay, this is Resident Evil, um, probably eight. And then it said Village, and I was like, okay. And then it showed the eight. I was like, all right, cool. And um, just werewolves and this this uh this general look. I don't. I guess I'm maybe naive if I say this doesn't look very Resident Evil to me when I watched it. I don't know. I have. I don't have as much experience playing the games. To uh, I, I, I totally agree with you, Trinica, Josh. I, I, you know, I was I was watching this trailer and I was hoping it was Resident Evil, and I kept swaying back and forth. Like as soon as you saw like the first thing fly past the window, that was almost like an Until Dawn enemy. You know, you never see zombies move that fast. Uh, and then you saw like a bunch of cultists on a beach and you think, oh, is it Resident Evil 4? You know, like there, there's a lot of Resident Evil 4 vibes uh, in this game. And then you saw werewolves. And then it, it wasn't until you saw the statue, like there was just this like quick picture of a statue. And I'm like, that's Resident Evil. You got to push statues in like every one of those games. So um, that was sort of the tell. But then you got like the creepy family and you got like a mansion and you got the village and the castle and it just has like all of these mishmash of elements from all the different Resident Evil games that eventually felt like sort of your your serious but slightly campy style that Resident Evil is is known for has evolved into since uh, since seven. But you're 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 right, Ryan. There, there's no way they're not going to release this with VR after mm-hmm. the success of Resident Evil Seven. So either uh, PS4 VR compatible with a, the VR headset one or there's a new VR headset coming. Yeah, I imagine there is one coming. It just won't be this this year. Um, but I think they said PS5 is backwards compatible with the PS4 could be backwards compatible with the PS5. I think uh, that I heard that. I mean, I'm sure we'll get more reveals down the road about what everything you can do. But I thought that was one of the things they've said a while ago that, yeah, it's backwards compatible with it. Um, yeah. But I don't know, Josh, I do recommend a uh, have you tried seven or have you not? Because yeah, I actually liked seven quite a bit. It's just one of those things that 
I was playing it in between games, and then a new one came out. I was like, oh, a new, new hot, fresh, shiny thing, and I played that instead. So I, I should go back to it, honestly. I, I did it. I got out of the house. Is that say something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, it was a good game. I, I don't know. I had a good time with it. <laughs> Unless you're talking from the very beginning when you aren't yet in the house. Yeah, I mean. Then, I, yeah, because then no, you didn't get very far. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I, I only played like maybe like five hours, four, four or five hours. So, yeah. Um, I think the biggest question we have to ask is what will Resident Evil 9's subtitle be? Because it has to have an I and an X next to each other in it, right? The only word I can think of is six. Yeah. So is it going to be Resident <laughs> Evil 9-6? Is that, is that what we're calling it right now? Well, <laughs> you're right, because I think 7 had a, a very much the same kind of reveal yeah. where it highlighted you know, the number, the number. Was the, the, fix. Oh, the fix. Oh, the yeah. fix. Oh, yeah, that's it. The fix. <laughs> How fantastic uh, of a troll would that be, though? Just just the title, like slowly fading in, and it's Resident Evil, and then six. Everybody's like, no! <laughs> it's just a remake of six. That would be awesome if it was just a, bo- a reboot. Maybe they'll time it perfectly so that by the time they get to rebooting six, actual Resident Evil 6, like it'll time in right with Resident Evil 9. So it's the same game. Resident yeah. Evil 9 or Resident Evil 6 are the exact same game. That'd be great. You know, um, you know, there's another game before I think uh, we generally wrap up here. I, I know um, maybe I know, there's one more big hitter that they ended the show with, but um, I guess I, sh- I should ask you guys, is there any other games that you, you think we should talk about before we move on to, I guess, the, the last big one that they kind of showed off here? Uh, there's a couple for me. Like Stray was intriguing. That was sure. like one of the only cyberpunky style games that I saw. Normally on these showcases, like cyberpunk seems to be the new trendy thing to do. And you play as a cat, and there's a bunch of robots, and it's like this post-human society. It's Annapurna, so you know, uh, Caleb, you're, you're Edith Finch. You're uh, what's the one you just picked up? Sinar Wild Hearts is Annapurna as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be good. I don't know who develops it, though. There, it doesn't say who the developer is. It could, oh. if it doesn't... Oh, there it goes. Blue... Oh, Blue 12. Blue Weevil. Blue, what was that? Blue what? Weevil? Blue 12. Blue 12. Wow. Mm-hmm. I had... <laughs> um, yeah, this one looks kind of intriguing. Uh, there was another one, uh, Goodbye Volcano High. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that uh, one's which interesting. Was, yeah, play that one, because that one's got a sure. wicked soundtrack. It, it was like Gem in the Holograms or whatever, but... <laughs> It almost felt like life is strange, but with like cartoon dinosaurs. Yeah, it was like a coming yeah, of age story. Coming of uh, age story as the extinction is happening. I'm that's what I got from it. Yeah. Yeah. That one looked pretty cool. Coming up. There you go. Uh, yeah. Um, it's interesting because a, a trailer like this proves that I'm not the only one who, and obviously you guys aren't either, but who says that graphics aren't everything. Cause this is a game that could be on a Anything. game boy advance. I mean, <laughs> you know, so, but the fact that, that uh, Sony has such confidence in it or such a close relationship and confidence in Annapurna that they're willing to showcase this in their big thing that I think is really, really, really telling because that says, Hey, graphics aren't everything. We're not going to continue trying to push graphics on you. And again, as a, as a true gamer, like I love the fact that that's the case. They're not, there's other things that are more important. Um, so I like that. You know, one thing about it too, too is I don't know what is gameplay in this game. <laughs> and true. like, and uh, you know, my, my only thought is, is this kind of got like, 
what's it called? The South Park Stick of Truth, where it, it looks like an episode of South Park. That, like, is this game like this, where it's all animation like this? So that's kind of my thought with this game. And, I mean, it definitely, it is, I know I don't have it on the list here, but it was definitely a game that did catch my eye here, though, too. Yeah, I wish, I wish if a, if a, event promo, uh, promised gameplay they would also have to include the hud or some kind of th- you know that way you know like oh this is when i'm playing the game sort of thing but in cases where there is no hud then or no G, uh, ui or anything like that then yeah it makes sense that you wouldn't add it because you can so mm-hmm. i'm going through the list right now. there was a game which one it's like a Shinji Mikami game. Like I can't remember the name. It's not on the list. But uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah, Ghostwire. Yeah. Ghostwire. Yeah, that one looked like a Bioshock Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. That that one was interesting because we we heard about it at E3. I think 2019, right, is when it was kind of talked about. And mm. uh, the person there, um, what was her name? Ikumi Naka, Nakamura. Uh, she was basically she stole that show in E3 2019. She was the very like sort of. Uh, she was very excited. You could tell and she was like posing and stuff on stage and she was nervous and everything. And she sort of stole the show. Um, and we hadn't heard anything from her or tango really in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, she left the studio in 2019, I believe, or I'm sorry, in September of 2019, I believe. So shortly after the E3 presentation. So that's probably why she wasn't here, uh, for this presentation. Cause I, I feel like she's almost like the mascot of that company, but I'll say Ghostwire, it, It's, it's interesting to me because I always just assumed it was going to be a, Evil Dead third person, or I'm sorry, Evil Within third person sort of horror kind of game. This makes it look like a straight up first person actiony cyberpunky type ghosts thing, and I think I'm more excited about it now. Even though I think it looks a little, I know I just got through talking about how graphics aren't that important, but I feel like looks wise, it it doesn't look next gen. It looks, you know, current gen. Um, but I'm excited about it. it. Looks, I mean, it it seems very interesting and weird. It's almost like another Kojima kind of weirdness there. Hmm. No doubt. It. Um, I don't know if it's kind of that. Uh, I don't, I keep getting like Killer Seven vibes a little bit from it, but I don't know. It's. I I thought this game was showing off. I just couldn't put it up to my, put it to my teeth that if it was from last year's E3 yeah. or when when I, where I saw it. But I guess it is that game that was shown off last year at E3. And did, did Tango do Evil Within? Did they do those? Maybe that's why I'm thinking like I expected yes. an Evil Within. Okay. That must be why I expected it. So it's probably unfair for me to have that preconceived notion, I think. I gotta be honest, when I saw Shinji Mikami, I thought it was Dino Crisis. They've been that, talking about like that game. That's coming. All, all this stuff's coming. You know, they're gonna re yeah. Capcom's gonna re-release everything we know we're getting for. And there's probably a Code Veronica and Dino Crisis because you know what? These Capcom Resident Evil horror games or Resident Evil, all these like horror games from their past are making money, you know, right now for them. So they're coming. We just didn't see them yet today. Um, for they're probably going to be at least two years away. Um, anyone else have any other games before? I guess we end up with wrapping up the games here before we go to talking about a couple of things. Uh, um. on the air. I just want to mention that Destruction All-Stars game. Kind of fun. Sure. Uh, kind of like a Twisted Metal and without the gore, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to call it Twisted Metal Fortnite. It looks like it's... Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Cool with that. I mean, <laughs> if, it's, if it's affordable, I'll check it out. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I, it, this looks like a really nice like $20 game just yeah. to mess around with. 
Oh, well, if they uh, need a free to play, it probably kill. You know. Yeah, true. I mean, it actually does have that vibes that they could just like, hey, you can get this car and buy a battle pass or something. You know, I could see that for this. Um, and I like uh, arcadey car battlers and arcadey racing games, so I'll check it, it out if it's received well. Is it car versus car, or is well, I guess it is here, but well, there's I parts. Swear it's like people like jump out of their car, yeah. and, like or ripping people out. So I wonder like, if it, like you could, it's a sort of a mix of like a Grand Theft Auto and and uh, Twisted Metal Black, where you could, if you get hit enough, you can sort of escape your car and then try to steal someone else's car in the middle of the battle or something like that. That'd be kind of cool because then you've got two different two different character mechanics that you have to wrestle with, uh, which is a layer that these type of battle royale type games or these battle games just don't have. It's usually you're this character, use this character's abilities, and that's it. So imagine like if Overwatch let you run around in golf carts. You know, that's a whole other layer, mm-hmm. and that could be really cool. Um, but it doesn't seem like you're out of car actions here are to the level of like a you know first person shooter like overwatch or something like that so it's probably going to be lopsided to where it's more car less person uh but it's it's cool idea cool concept but i'm, yeah, I'm with josh if it's 20 bucks or so i might check it out that's a really good mm-hmm. comparison like a hero shooter but you just flip your heroes on the fly like yeah. with, just capture that capture that yeah that'd be cool mm-hmm yeah, I got a little bit of the Twisted Metal vibes from it and a little bit of like Rocket League, I guess I see just going too, but I know there's no ball or anything from it. Just me, just the They could uh, add that as another mode. You know, that's also it opens up for that, right? They could they could turn because Rocket League has exposed people to the idea of like using cars as sports uh equipment. Uh mm-hmm. you could you know, who's to say you couldn't push a bowling ball down an alley with one of these cars, right? Like you could incorporate a lot of that cool stuff and just fun little mini games and things like that, maybe. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I guess the end before the end of the show, but one of the last games they've shown off, which was, I guess, my prediction. I don't know. Should I show it here? I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't think we need to show it. Uh, but it was Horizon Zero. It wasn't Horizon Zero Dawn. It's Horizon Forbidden West, um, mm-hmm. which I kind of figured it would be shown. Um, I, my, my general theory was behind it is that... Um, Horizon Zero Dawn's coming to PC. I think that's kind of confirmed now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I've heard the rumor. Why? Why do you do that? Well, you want to expose more people to that game that might bring them then over to PlayStation Five because that right. game's came out. I think it came out in 2017. Um, I also was assuming too that Breath of the Wild Two has got to be coming out soon, and that came out a month prior to. Uh, prior to this game, or oh, this game came out a month prior to Breath of the Wild, so I I don't know. And plus, Gorilla always kind of likes to have a game represented at the shows. And now, um, Herman, uh, what's his name? Hulse. Now the, Hulse, one of the head guys of Sony. Now he's replaced Sean Layden. Um, but I, I figured they would probably show this off. This is the one game that I kind of was the most expecting to show, and I'm glad they did. Um, first game was an excellent game, and um, granted, this also fits in that category of. Uh, I mean, the cutscenes look like they could be on PS4, but um, I, I think you need to have these games to draw. And I, my prediction though for it was that it come out early quarter of next year, like it'd be like that February March game when all right, people have their their Christmas presents, they're done playing those games. How do you keep, keep getting people to buy your console? You release Horizon, you know. But I don't think they had a date for for this here yet. So, uh, Josh, what do you think? 
Um, I, I actually kind of disagree in the fact that just the effects and everything I do not think could be pulled off on this level, especially this underwater stuff sure. on this curtain hardware. I don't really think the just the amount of detail and the lighting and the effects and just everything, just the um, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, I'm sure it could still look amazing because the first game did look spectacular on the PS4. But I think they're, this is going to be their just uh, graphical powerhouse showcase for the PlayStation 5, especially when they start showing more of it. I mean, they showed quite a bit here. Um, I'm not sure what all is cutscene and what all is gameplay in this because, you know, you see her swimming and running and climbing and all this stuff. Like, that could be gameplay or that could be a cutscene. Who knows? But I think that if it looks this good in-game and, uh, I mean, I... If it looks this good in game, this is next gen to me. Uh, watching this, and I had m multiple moments where I was like, "That can't be real. That can't be." You know what I mean? Like when I walked, it's like, "How are they doing that?" You know what I mean? It's kind of like a magic trick here in this game. Um, and this, this, the first game didn't ever go for hyper realistic. I feel like they have a nice, like, I almost say like painterly style to the environments and stuff. It's not super realistic, but it has a really nice style to it. And I think this is just a continuation of that. And they have. Uh, really beefy machine to continue on with that and that giant mammoth looks amazing and i can't wait to fight it so you know and maybe maybe i should reiterate myself because i was you know watching this on the 1080p monitor so maybe oh, yeah. when i think of not coming off as as you know graphically impressive that could be the thing it, it does look good but it's just one of those things for me i'm like okay it it definitely looks like horizon is what i should probably say True. Uh, dean what are your thoughts this game looks incredible, Ryan. Say it. It looks incredible. Uh, it, it This was my game of the year for 2017, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. It was a fantastic game. I love the story. I love Aloy as a character. I love the, um, you know, the atmosphere, the, the whole setting of it. And this was probably the only time in the show, not to say the show wasn't good, that I got chills. Like that underwater scene, I have a thing with underwater anyway, but just like, her swimming underwater in that big like mechanical serpent thing, you know, swimming around in the buildings there. And it, that's, that's a day one purchase. And I agree. It's going to be probably a spring break release like for February or March, like God of War was like it was originally in 2017 for horizon. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to sort of continue on that. I was hoping um, initially, I think when I did my predictions, I thought, well, I hope they wait uh, a little longer so they can utilize the Unreal 5 engine, but then I remembered they use the, the Decima engine um, at Guerrilla Studios, so, and it looks amazing. So I was the exact same way as you, Dean. I was like, I don't want them to show it because I want them to be able to take advantage of all of the efficiencies that they would make later on in the generation. But what this means is if they release two now, that means they've got to release three as it gets closer to the end of the generation. So I think we're getting two games probably and that's that's amazing because i'm with you this game was probably my favorite of the year uh, i absolutely absolutely loved it so mm -hmm. um i was gonna ask where do you think they are gonna where did where is the forbidden west is this gonna be california oregon yeah, it's california. san francisco bridge in the san francisco bridge. Oh, i didn't see it okay awesome or i didn't notice it yeah mm -hmm. you know that's one thing though you kind of made a point Caleb just right there is that we would probably would get a third game then at the end of this life cycle. The one thing I can point to the PS4 is comparing it to PS3, like 
it seemed like with the PS3 generation, including Xbox 360, we got a lot of sequels. Like every two years, there was another sequel. You had Uncharted, and then two years later, you had Uncharted 2, and then two years later, you had Uncharted 3, and then you, you know, then you had uh, Last of Us. We didn't really get that too, too much on on PlayStation 4. You got one Uncharted, and then maybe you got the, the you know your side game, and we're getting one Last of Us 2. You know, another Last of Us 2. We're not getting multiple games in the franchise anymore and maybe it's because it takes a lot longer to develop these games there's a lot more things you can do but um it's i you know selfish me would love to have more games in the franchises i love but um i don't know it's maybe i guess that's the hope that because a lot of these games came out a few years in like uh i don't know spider-man came out two years ago so just i I think i think it's like it if Sony really wants to project themselves as being a studio or a, a company that cherishes narrative and immersive environments and worlds and, and stories, you can't push things out too quickly because you legitimately can't create a narrative and a world that quickly. Uh, development in general is not something that you can throw more people at to get it better. In fact, it's usually the opposite. The more people you throw at something, the worse something's going to be because there's just so many micro bottlenecks along the process that are just necessary. And so you can't you as the games get more sophisticated and as the stores get more immersive and as PlayStation realized that's something we can bank on, they have to stretch it out. Because if you think about it, PlayStation didn't get the reputation for being like a narrative focused company, uh, game console company until like this latest generation, really PlayStation three. Sure, a little bit, but it was really four where the people were like that's their thing. And so they you, you can't make that stuff faster, unfortunately. And if you try to create more IPs, well, then you're having to spin up new studios or you're having to partition away some of the people. Um, there's actually, a, this isn't the nerdy person in me, but there's a really great book called The Mythical Man Month that talks about that very fallacy, like throwing more people at a technical development problem has negative effects no matter how you try to do it. It just doesn't work. So, yeah. So I, I think the longer time, I guess my the summary is the longer time between games, especially from Sony, I feel like that's, more than any other type of scenario, that's an indication that the games are going to be better quality and they're just going to be more immersive. And that's what I personally want. So, um, yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I know we covered a lot of games. There's some we miss, so I apologize for that. Um, but I wanted to talk about the console reveal because that was how they ended the show today. I want to know what everyone's thoughts of what the console looked like. Caleb, you're throwing your thumbs down. Why don't you start us off? <laughs> uh, it's going to have to grow on me. I, I did not like it. I like the controller, so it's not like I don't like the dual like color thing. I, I think the controller is actually really cool looking. I think the console is is just, I personally think it's ugly. I'm a fan of like very simplistic, sleek designs. Honestly, if they if they unveiled the PlayStation 5 and it looked like the Steam Link, like the little box, I'd be like, that's what I like. And that's a personal thing. Uh, I also hang my consoles on my wall. Like that's, I don't have a shelf for them and looking at that, that, that might be kind of tough to do. And so I'm a little scared and worried about that, that I'm going to have to change up my whole system just for that console. But, um, but it'll grow on me. So did you uh, see both designs, I guess, then there too? The I slim? did. Yeah. I, well, well, one of them was the no disc system. One of them was a digital only. And then one was the disc system. And I'm still a fan of physical media. So the disc system would be the one that I get. Um, so yeah, I just, Either way, it looks like they're going to be tough to hang on a wall, and I know that's a that's a petty thing. So, <laughs> I'll I'll back away and let you know better people talk about it. I guess. <laughs> Dean, what are your what is your thoughts here? Um, I, I like it. I, I I want them to talk about 
some of the reasoning behind it. I agree. It's, it's a very big departure from the last four installments of the PlayStation that we've seen. And it doesn't look too ergonomic. Like it, it seems like they made it fancy for the sake of making it fancy. So if they said, well, it's, we did this for the fans and the, the cooling system where it's aerodynamic when you throw it across the room because you can't <laughs> beat Gran Turismo. Like, it, you know, there, there's reasoning behind it. And I want to see other than, oh, it looks cool or it looks like something from Portal 2. That's a really um, good... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's that's really it. Like, I, I, I like the design. I, I probably wouldn't stand it up like that because my cat would knock it over in, <laughs> in like, the first day. Um, so I would I would have it like this. Which kind of looks weird, anyway. I'll be getting the um, the physical one, not the digital version. But it's interesting that they did introduce two SKUs. That's the first time I've seen it mm-hmm. been done uh, for for PlayStation. Uh, but yeah, just a little more depth in in like what, what, who who was doing this? This is like some concept car that you know some <laughs> old guy who just retired had wanted to do his whole life. And, this is what it put together. That right? might be exactly what's happening. I don't know. Sure, um, sure. I, I hate to tell you though, cat or no, it's a white console, so it's going to look gross in a week after you get it. Like that's I, the white always just doesn't hold up. But um, yeah, but I, I was going to say that you bring up a really interesting point about the uh, the phys- the form impacting the function, or a, a form being a response to the function. Um, Spawnwave did a really good uh, in depth uh, look at the dev version which is the v shape that we all uh, know and some of us enjoy and he he did a really good breakdown about like why that makes sense from just a cooling perspective um he broke broke it down there were six fans in the dev unit which is like three times as many as any other console has ever had so why do you need six fans uh obviously to to cool down the processor itself but then also there were three fans dedicated specifically to the power unit which is something that never happens if, if this console is to be believed, my thinking is not if it's to be believed, it is obviously, but uh, like I've I tried to, th- I, I need to look at it from that perspective because that's a good point, Dean. Like, why would it be this form factor? Is it for cooling? If so, how does this work? My thinking is that we might actually see the re- return of, of an external power brick. Like, I don't think the power unit's going to be housed in the system. Um, I think it is going to be external um, because there's not really, it doesn't look like from this perspective that there's enough room in there to have as many fans as would needed to cool the system. Now I'm sure they're going to use like a heat sink and they're going to have, uh, they're probably not going to do any sort of liquid cooling or stuff like that. Cause I just increased the price even more, but they'll have fancy heat sinks. They'll, they'll do something cool, but like fan wise, y- you need, you would need a lot of fans to cool the system and, and you can't have the power brick internally heating things up. So it might be external. How big is the box going to be? You're gonna like back a truck up to your house to unload the <laughs> console and the power brick and the headphones and the remote Maybe. and the controllers and the dock and the camera. I mean, if you look at it this way, based on the size of the controller, like on the, on the image we're seeing now, based on the size of the controller, it looks like height-wise, it's not much. It, it's maybe a little bit taller than like the PlayStation Four Four is. Width-wise, to me, it actually looks a little narrower. But I also, we're also. I mean, we haven't really. I, this image right here doesn't show a good like side view of it necessarily but it looks like it's almost a little bit narrower and i just don't understand how they could get a smaller form factor in a system that's supposed to be so much more powerful that just doesn't make sense in my head so i think they're gonna have to make an external power brick i just i'd be i'm calling it out maybe that's my, my maybe that's my sub prediction is that it will be an external power supply 
Josh, what are your thoughts on what, the, the design of the console? Uh, just letting them get their critiques in before I say I think it's awesome looking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, my PC tower is white with blue LEDs already. So I'm like, eh, it's going to match. So I'm like, eh, it looks great. To me, I, I, I think it does look... You guys have very fair points that it looks like a model car, like a, a, a you know, sketched idea of a futuristic car or whatever. But I think they're kind of just like, hey, let's make it an interesting and weird and unique design. And I think that after you have it under your console, under your TV or whatever for like a month or two, you'll be like, eh, it's that's a PlayStation 5. I'm used to seeing it. Um, I kind of wish there was a Spider-Man PS5 coming out, but that's just me. Oh, I, I would buy that uh, day one because that's my PlayStation 4 Pro is the Spider-Man one. And I'd be like, continue that tradition <laughs> to the next generation. But oh, I do. Yeah, hmm. don't, no doubt. PlayStation will, will remarket their their consoles as many times over for the, the games they own the marketing rights for. Like, I could see there'll be a Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy one. There'll eventually be a Spider-Man Probably Spider-Man Two One. Um, yeah. Listen, just because it's so new and they they want to pump these out the gate, you know, before they have to start getting people to try to rebuy their consoles, uh, so you can have that special edition one that you really want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember, like, there's so many revisions. There's another one for Last of Us coming out right now, and that you know, uh, that comes out shortly. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, Josh, but they're Thank definitely going to re-release it. You know, they did a uh, focus on the fans on the side and that like look at this sexy console like overview they did and they like show like every they were going over the fans like uh slow-mo and stuff so there are fans on each side of those fl- like flaps that stick out i guess you can call them flaps they stick out there's fans that go along the entire thing kind of like the v-shape like how the v-shape had the fans on both sides but think of it more like inverse i don't know how to describe this but you guys know what i'm saying where the light is there there's fans along the entire thing mm-hmm. so I guess that is to make it not sound like a jet engine when I'm playing Death Stranding, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> or God then, of War. Yeah. Or God of War or whatever. Yeah. So maybe that's why they have the fans there. Like, hey, you know, we have all these fans so that it doesn't try to like overextend itself when it gets very hot because it's going to pushing uh, that New Horizon game and sure. stuff like that. So. <laughs> It is interesting, though, yet another departure from what Microsoft has done, where they've almost oversimplified their their model into a like a cube, like a, a desktop, yeah, PC, yeah, like a PC yeah. tower. Like this, yeah. there's like the PC tower that's conventional, and then there's like this thing, which is the same PC tower, just somebody went to Alienware and spent yeah, like a, grand more. Like I got this N- NXT case right here. It looks a lot, not exactly like that, but it's a big white tower with blue LEDs, just very gaudy and ridiculous. <laughs> and I, that's kind of what I wanted for my PC tower. I was like, I built this thing. I want to make it look as crazy and ridiculous as I can. So I know it'll, it'll match that. That's why, that's why I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's it's interesting the uh, the point about the fans being where the lights are. Like that does make a lot of sense. And it also indicates that the airflow exit is at the top which is something that Xbox was given a lot of credit for. It makes sense, right? Like to just shoot everything out through the top rather than try to use power to force it out the side, let it mm-hmm. go up the direction it's wanting to go anyway, as hot air would. Um, and so it's interesting here. And that also makes me think, you know, they're not showing in that image right there. They're not showing the console on its side. They could, but they're not. And so it makes me think like they're almost like, like there, yeah, there it does. And it almost makes me think like maybe they're like saying, you know what, for, for optimal 
heating, you should probably keep it vertical because we want the heat to be able to escape upwards. I doubt that's the case because obviously people are going to set it however they want. Uh, but it could be that that's and that V shape too. a spawn waves video also talked a little bit about how the shape itself helps to funnel some of the air in a certain direction. So mm -hmm. that V shape, which again, Josh mentioned here is, is still intact. It's just a very different form than what we saw in the past uh, with it, with the dev kit. It's, it's, it's forcing that funnel to, to basically push it in a certain direction, um, which is interesting. Usually you would rely on fans and heat sinks to push air in a very specific direction um, out the side here. It's maybe maybe you don't need as many fans when you have a system like this where you have a, a wider exit uh, exhaust uh, gate or an exhaust uh, grill. So yeah. I don't know. it's interesting. Yeah, I didn't really look at this picture up close. It looks like it's actually laying on the CD drive side. So, so, so your CD drive is almost at the bottom with a mm. lip over it. So I, I saw yeah. this on the Discord, plug for the CC Discord here, but... Uh, um, Someone shared it, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name, but someone shared it where actually I think the flap that it stands on the base actually will then flip onto the side here, I think. So it's kind of a, it levels its way out, I think, like that. The base, I think that's, I'm sorry, I couldn't find an image. I was looking for it prior to talking here. Mm -hmm. So I apologize. So this is the only side image I could find in the matter of time when I was looking up for a side image because... Generally, I hate the idea of having it stand up. I hate the idea because underneath my, I have my, my, um, I don't have my TV hanging on the wall, um, but I have uh, my consoles in the TV and the entertainment center where, you know, they sit and I hate the idea that it won't go anywhere. It won't go on underneath my television. It won't, it probably won't fit. Um, I would have to either put it to the side or behind my television. And I just hate that idea. I hate it completely. Um, I'm glad there is a laydown option. I do. Um, that makes me very happy. Um, but I, I, I hate that, that the stand-up design, I, I think Microsoft, you can do that as well. And their, their marketing is the tower, but I hate anything that has to stand up like that. Just for the fact of how my entertainment center is set up. I just hate the idea that this console has to stand up to perform. So I was very happy that uh there's a sit down option uh as for myself uh i could see the whole alienware it's a router looking design for a thing um it's not my favorite i i really like the playstation force design hmm. um but i i think i like i'll get over it it's not gonna bother me too much um it definitely does look like it's well ventilated that's for sure. Uh, and it, I, I remember i think mark cerny was saying like how much they can overclock the cpu even though it's a less powerful cpu cpu it's not um wait what's the word uh, locked in basically they can overclock it uh you know really it's gonna i don't know i'm messing up all the technical jargon here but um it, it was designed i think so it won't be sounding very much like like josh was just describing with a, a jet engine flying off here so um i think that all that came into mind for it i'm not the biggest fan with it i'm more likely gonna uh probably get this one right off the bat but i probably will like josh or i don't know just point josh in it i probably will buy a different rendition down the road um with i i said instead of i like the controller being white but i don't know if i like this console being white you know hmm. but i don't know whatever it's it's not the biggest deal um I, I i guess i just don't know if i like the design or not um but i like that i can lay it down so 
Uh, I'm looking forward to all the two-tone controller variations. Uh, I'll probably buy a lot of those. Sure. Yeah, that is going to be a slick controller for for mods or for custom designs. Yeah, because compared to Xbox, PlayStation doesn't really have a lot of unique controller variations. Like they just they just don't do it nearly as much as Xbox does. Um, as some of you here know, I I collect Xbox or PlayStation Four controllers, and I think I have pretty much most of them. And it's like twenty or so. Like there's not a whole lot of them, um, and so this definitely opens the window for a lot of unique two-tone things, which sucks because that means now I'm going to have to start collecting Xbox or I mean PlayStation five controllers, but mm-hmm. dang. <laughs> um, all right. Now I guess one of the final questions of the day, uh, I'm going to start with you Dean, because you, you mentioned, and I believe in our group chat that you were pretty much going to get an Xbox series X day one and you needed PlayStation to convince you here. Are you convinced or are you holding off? Uh, yeah, I didn't need PlayStation to convince me. I just needed them not to scare me away. And, and they haven't done that yet. It's uh, it's a good roster of games. I'm excited for them. Um, I'll have to see the price point. I'm definitely going to go with the, the physical model. So I'm guessing it's going to be $5.99 for the physical and $4.99 for the, the digital version. I think it's going to be a $100 difference. And they're going to add some sort of a value add in there, uh, but I think they're going to mark it as a luxury console, and I'll I'll pay whatever, whatever the physical one is is worth at this point. Sure. Uh, so we're going to make this also prediction because I'm pretty positive there's going to be another show, in either a month or at the least in August, where they reveal the price, the specs, and if there's any bonus features here uh, that weren't revealed. Uh, yep. So, Caleb, what are you day one with this, or? Uh... Uh, and, and give me your price prediction too while yeah. you're at it too. I'm not day one, not because I don't think it sounds awesome. It's just I have a ton of PlayStation 4 games still to play. You know, like I have so many games in my backlog that I still want to play. And until there's a reason to specifically buy this console, I'm not going to do it. So when Horizon Zero Dawn 2 comes out, maybe, or Horizon Forbidden West come, comes out, um, that might be the reason for me to pull the trigger. But I don't think there'll be any reason for me to on day one. Um, price point, I think Dean's probably right on it. Uh, I don't know if you were using Canadian or US, but I, I guess they'll probably try to make it sound pretty much the same, you know, f- uh, $599 US and then $499. I would like for it to be, I would, I, I don't know who's going to pull the trigger first, Xbox or Sony, right? Because that's kind of the thing is they don't want to look like the more mm-hmm. expensive option. I was not expecting PlayStation to have a digital version at all like that was a complete surprise to me and i think that's their way of trying to say hey we're also price competitive which tells me that the physical version is going to be more expensive than we think which is why i think dean's probably right there around you know 599 Um, well i i I think in terms of additional features i think the physical one is what's going to allow ps3 and ps2 backwards uh, compatibility which they're going to reveal at the same time as the price yeah that makes sense Josh, uh, day one, um, I, I'm I'm at the point where I'm gonna have to probably pick one just financially. Um, I wish I could just buy both, you know, and be like, hey, let, let's get both. But um, uh, Spider Man, I when I pick out my game game consoles, it's because of the games, and Spider Man's a game I'm really interested in playing, so I'm gonna buy it for that first, and then I'll eventually down the line when I can afford it, get the Xbox Series X. If I can get them both at the same time, hey, hell yeah, I'll get both of them. But this is the one I'm gonna have. 
have preference towards, and I'm definitely going to get the physical version. Playboy. Playboys, yes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I want to get the physical version uh, with the disc drive because I like the option to look at sales and pick up games on the cheap here and there. And uh, you don't get that option. You do on digital. To be fair, you do. But I feel like it's a little easier to find secondhand games and have that physical version and just that freedom to... Uh, even if I'm not the biggest collector in the world, I do like to have physical copies if I can get them. And um, yeah, that's the version I'm going to get and uh, start saving now, I guess, for that. Price thing. price guess? Price guess, I wouldn't be surprised if it was $5.99 for the physical and uh, $100 less for the non-physical. But I would love to see a $4.99 and $4.49 for the two versions, but... I don't know. It's such a powerful machine. There's some. There's a state-of-the-art SSD and all the stuff they are toting. I don't see it being any less than 500, really, at all. So probably 500 uh, for the was it 500 for the non-physical? Maybe 550 for the physical or 600 for the physical. One of the two. So I'm just throwing uh, numbers out now. <laughs> uh, I, I probably will be day one for this. I'm I'm pretty confident. Unless there's just like nothing at launch, I, I'm pretty, I'm banking on buying this on day one. Um, I'm guessing because I'm a Playboy. Uh, but uh, with Playboys, uh, I'm I'm guessing this is going to be 500 for the physical uh, disc drive and 400 for uh, without the disc drive, the all digital edition, unless. Unless the all digital edition comes with a bigger hard drive, a I bigger can see that. and they just do the same price point, and it's just like here's the mm-hmm. happy medium. There, I could see that. That's that's the only way I see it. I, I I think that's their their counter because you keep hearing about Lockhart now for for Xbox, and I know that's supposed to be less powerful. Like um, you know, it's in between the the Xbox One X and not as powerful as the series X it's you know that one medium and this could be the cheaper price to bring in more people um, and I think this is maybe their counter to that but um, they also I think are smart enough to realize that like the digital market is growing right now too for for gaming and maybe some people just don't want a, a massive collection I on the other hand I'm not that kind of person and I have a massive uh, PlayStation 4 collection um, I'm also kind of guessing like Dean that this is gonna probably have backwards compatibility more than just the PS4 um, with that disc drive. Just because I, I don't know, I, I I got a funny feeling there's gonna be a counter to Xbox's backwards compatibility here, but there's gotta be something you. That's probably how you end when you reveal the price. That like, oh yeah, by the way, we also have this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's gonna be at least one more show, but that's just just my general prediction for how how you try to get people then to purchase it. This was just for games. And then the next one is like, this is why you need your a PlayStation 5. So, but with uh, that being said, oh, actually, you know what? We still have one more thing to reveal here for people still tuning in and listening in here. We have the first game for season eight for the Cartridge Club here. Uh, we're going to reveal it. I Sorry, I don't have a thumbnail or anything ready. But since this is a PlayStation show, might as well have the first game for the next season be a PlayStation game. And it is seen as one of the best games on the PlayStation 4. And um, it was very high on the PlayStation, or it was very high in the game of the year list two years ago. 
and we are going to be playing God of War for the PlayStation 4 as the first game for the next season of Cartridge Club. So keep in mind, we'll be revealing more games as we keep doing these shows throughout the summer. Uh, but yes, that is the first game is God of War, the PS4 release. And uh, yeah, so that's the show, everyone. Uh, I'm going to thank the guests for being here. And why don't you tell us where we can find you? Dean, where can we find you online? And thank you very much for being here tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. This is uh, this was great, uh, really fun. Always enjoyed doing this stuff. You can find me on Twitter at round underscore two underscore gaming or in the Cartridge Club Discord, a little bit in the Cartridge Club forums, just anywhere, Cartridge Club, you'll probably see me around. Thank you very much for being here. Caleb, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me. Uh, Twitter and YouTube is where I'm most active. Uh, Caleb J. Ross, all one word, the letter J. Uh, and I am currently a co-host of a brand new podcast called Tales of the Lesser Medium. Uh, it's a really cool podcast. Thank you, Josh, for that thumbs up. Uh, it's a really fun podcast I'm doing with Travis from the Polykill podcast. Uh, and we talk about uh, video game franchise, the narratives of those video game franchises. We walk you through those and we poke a lot of fun at them uh and it's really fun for us so hopefully you guys laugh as well tales of the lesser medium check it out thank you very much for being here and helping out thank you for inviting me fellow playboy josh where can we playboy. find you online um <laughs> i'm on twitter at frantic society i uh, occasionally host the cartridge club game of the month show a couple times a year two three times and then i do the quick save club where we talk pc games which is Kind of fun to dive deep and look at some classic PC titles, and I uh, enjoy that a lot. And then I do my personal podcast, which is more me ranting about things I enjoy. That's Frantic uh, Frantic Side, Frantic Thoughts. That's every other week. Um, you can find that on podcast services. Thanks for the th thumbs up as well. <laughs> Don't forget about Cartridge Club Hangouts, Josh. Oh, Cartridge Club Hangouts, man. Eh. Which I'm also a part of too. Yeah, I, I like thank, doing those. Those are a good time. I, yeah. I love doing the Hangouts. I just I think I do too many things. That's probably all, all it is. That's why we love you, Josh. Uh, <laughs> as for myself, you can find me on Twitter. It's Rocket Sauce, Instagram, same exact thing. And um, part-time host with the Cartridge Club and host also for Cartridge Club Hangouts. Uh, like I said, we will be doing more shows throughout the summer as long as we know the dates. I'm sorry. This isn't E3. This is E3 week. If you look at the date, it was supposed to be E3. But... Uh, <laughs> We're, you know, we're, we're changing as how the world's changing. So I'm um, glad we have stuff to talk about because this is the stuff we love. And I look forward to doing this again when I guess in a couple weeks when we know more stuff. So anyways, thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye. I guess.